I'm the target of a meat missile going 150 miles an hour plus. That got really <laughs> exciting all of a sudden. I'm doing canopy safety. Um, I drive like an Asian, so I don't know if it's the most appropriate thing ever. I'm killing it. Utah, give me two. You're listening to Gravity Lab Radio, hosted by DJ Marvin and produced by Nicholas Live. Have we talked about skydiving the whole time? Usually you're here to tell me that uh, our mics are on. You're usually here to tell me that our, our radio is live. Is my mic on? I think their mic's on. Is this a hot mic? It, it is. Oh, but now we have really uh, Nick Lott. You're sitting on the wrong side of the desk today. Yeah, it's interesting over here. I feel like I'm in the spotlight. Is he really? I feel like I've been at a, a special school for the last about 15 minutes. The last 15 minutes has been watching <laughs> you try to remind Ben how to work all of this. Oh, I thought you were going to say mine and Ben's music oh, making, no, no. which was amazing. We, we were going to get to that. I'd actually like to hear what, that now. What did he do? How did that song go? Did that work? Am I doing it right? I it, think you're doing a, a so, great job. So right now I, you can see me, and right now you can't? What about now? I don't know. What I can't now? see your screens. So we have the delayed view up here. So just keep so watching. You're real, see me go oh, my God, he's handsome. God, he's good looking. Have you noticed? So remind me, which one is which? <laughs> Am I on right now or are you guys on the right now? The right screen is hot. The left screen's preload. Okay, good. We're good. Just like reading left to right. We got it covered. Well, well hey, yeah, Mr. DJ. But I'm a Jew. I read the opposite direction. Oh, you racist. So tonight, I guess we technically have no real guest because everybody here is part of Gravity Lab Radio. Hey, Ben, knock, knock. Jews there. <laughs> Not six million Jews. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Hey, you brought up Jews, all right? Wow. <laughs> you brought it up. Is that where you were really going with that one, or did you just change? No, that's exactly where I was going. He said something about wow. being a Jew, and I said something about the death of his people. <laughs> so I've noticed immediately that you still are making love to the microphone. I, I like it against my mouth. It feels good. <laughs> so did you notice your mic has finally changed? You can't. Yeah, I actually figured that that's why you put me on this <laughs> microphone today. So I wouldn't be mad that that one didn't have my pop filter on it. I'm trying to break so, you in slowly. It's okay. <laughs> Just slowly. I'm gonna, I mean, I'm mad, but I'm going to get over it. I took your little twisty knobs away. You can't play with those yeah, anymore. Yeah, well, I'm upset. Yeah, he's used to having his hand in front of his face, so that's why he's got it on the mic right now. Oh. I don't know if you noticed, but there were bronze knobs on these, and uh, Nick would sit there and would twist them. He would play with them the entire time. I need a fidget spinner, man. Those <laughs> things were made for me, dude. There was a uh, I saw a fidget spinner speaker in the store today, and by the way, don't go to the fucking store today. So oh our, my our, gosh, terrible in Paraland right now. Yeah, our real guest is, is Nick Lott, for those of you listening or tuning in. Well, hey! Nick is going to hey, be here. Hey, world! We also have a special guest tonight, uh, Harvey. Mr. <laughs> Hurricane Harvey coming into the South. <laughs> what a dick. So, uh, well, Wasn't well, even invited. No, well, I asked him to come. You, you did? Yeah, you, I you, called him up. I was like, hey, Harvey, we're having uh, uh, a head down camp this weekend. Can you ruin that for us, please? Well, it worked. <laughs> I, at least we have something accomplished. Uh, Nick, man, you've been sitting on the other side of the desk. Yep. How does it feel to be be over here? Oh, it's all right. It feels pretty normal. I know. I, I do like it back there. I like I like the land of you know pushing buttons and making making magic happen. It's nice to hide out back here. I'm not gonna lie. It's one of these days where actually I'm not even wearing pants. God damn it, I'm leaving now. <laughs> I'm out of here. One of these days, we're going to switch roles. I'm going to sit over there as well. I, I definitely have a goal to let you guys be over here instead of me. Um, well, who's going to be over there? Uh, that's for you two to wrestle over. And who's going to be over Apparently, here? it's a pantsless Ben Nelson. I think we should just play some musical chairs throughout the night. 
I, I say we actually put a um, pudding pit in the middle of the floor and we start the show <laughs> with you two wrestling shirtless in a No, batter. no, no. Pudding pit? Come on. We're talking about a hot tub or a jacuzzi filled with Pepto, right? Am I right? I feel like I'm right. And Ben's on, what? so it's awkward <laughs> right away, man. You, you thought I was weird. You take one cat. Just one. Yeah, it's pl- that's, that's old shit, Ben. Oh, oh, you need sorry. new material. You can't just I, keep doing I'm the gonna, same routine everywhere you I'm go. I'm going to mute myself. Whew. So, so what's new, man? You've been super busy. Uh, last time you were actually the guest, we talked a lot about video work you've done. Yeah. What's new in the pipe? What's been going on? Oh, gosh, it's been a lot of the same, I guess. Uh, I got some new video toys in the last couple of weeks that I've been having a little fun with. I got a new drone. I noticed by my front door was a cooler of drone. Yeah, yeah. I bought that uh, a few weeks back. It's been really fun. That's a DJI? DJI Phantom DJI. 4 Pro. It's it's pretty much the the top level of the consu- or the yeah the consumer stuff. Okay. So beyond that, you start spending a lot more money, and you have to be a lot better pilot. So th- with with drones, like the really tiny little ones that zip around everywhere, you actually have to be good at flying a drone to make those ones work well. Mm-hmm. And then all the ones that are like uh, the nice ones that fly a camera, like the like this one and the one I had before that that flies a GoPro, those pretty much fly themselves. They take off and they sit there and they just wait for you to to boss them around. <laughs> so it, anyone anyone can fly those drones. It's super easy. And then once you get above those uh, to the more uh, professional level ones, then again you need someone that knows how to fly it to really get the get the money's worth out of it. So that dr- the drone you have now, the last one ha- you attached a GoPro to. Yep. This one, mm-hmm. the camera's built in. Yeah, the camera lives on it. And I, I've seen some of the video you've taken. I've actually let it chase me around. But can you? D- does it do stills? Quality? It'll stills. do stills. Oh yeah, the stills are way better than the GoPro. Because I just want to take a cruise down the road with my 67 one day with you uh-huh. and get some pictures oh, dude, of me going down day. the coastline with that For car. For sure. Yes. There's something yeah. kind of crazy about living at the drop zone, which I do. And I get up in the morning. Nick is an early riser for anybody that doesn't know this. And he shows up at the drop zone super early. And I'll be out walking my dogs at maybe like <laughs> quarter to seven. And, you know, you've got the drowsiness in your eyes. And like the dogs are running around, you got your monster in your hand, like, uh, and then all of a sudden this drone's just like, bzzz, like right in your face, you're like, oh man, what is that? <laughs> See, the reason that you've seen it over there is there's this epic shot of the pond that I've been trying to get, of like the the su- the the sky reflecting off of the pond, combined with the panning up to the sunrise, and so. I've tried to get that shot a lot of mornings, and that's why the drone is over there. Well, you definitely probably have a lot of footage of me looking very tired. No, because the, the every time I take my dogs out <laughs> in the morning, I expect to see a drone in my face. Uh, the camera's the other way, so I don't think I have any uh, any shots of you, but I'm going to start collecting them. Now you're going to greet Ben as he walks out the door. Yeah, I'll just park it there, have it waiting outside of his door. It's got you a really should probably long figure out line. a way to deliver like my morning monster. With that drone, I, I, I should know, just walk outside. The drone comes down, and hands me a monster. So now that I have this new drone, I've been willing to experiment with the old one. We should see if it can carry a monster. Because if that thing crashes, I don't give a shit. Let's do it. Deal. Sold. Tomorrow. Oh wait, let's not do it tomorrow. Let's do it on a day. Let's do it on a hurricane <laughs> day. It's not a hurricane. <laughs> let's. Do so it should we talk about the hurricane right now? Because that's bound to come up, dude. It, it's it is. It's crazy. I uh, I I've tracked a hurricane the the whole time. Something since I've lived in Houston is I've learned to watch the. The forecast and the models as they come off the uh, the uh, coast of, of uh, Africa. And despite watching and knowing this is coming, I went to the store today, not thinking about there's a hurricane. Oh, uh, brutal, dude! It was brutal. You were at HEB like I was. twenty minutes before me, it probably. Uh, HEB's parking lot on a Thursday afternoon around eleven o'clock noon is twenty percent full. It was a hundred percent full. You couldn't find a parking spot. You were trolling up and down aisles to get in the fucking store. 
when I was checking out, I there was eleven people in my line, and other lines were definitely longer, and all twenty three registers were open, and I didn't see the worst of it. And, and damn the humanity, man! See, I had a very different experience because I went to Sprouts, which no one fucking shops there, and it was great. <laughs> it was like carry tri tip. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. But it's uh, it was moderately busy at best. I think the funnest part about going to the grocery store during or or right before uh, uh, some sort of like hurricane or natural disaster we know is coming is looking at carts of the people around you and see like how does this person prepare for the, for the apocalypse and then i looked Frozen at my own cart pizza and gatorade i know i look at my own cart i'm like i have a totino's pizza i have <laughs> i have one pork chop like 12 12 packs of beer and like some water and i was like i think i should be good <laughs> Nailed. Did you make that list before you went, or was that? No, it was all impromptu, bro. On the fly, I walked out with four tri-tip, a bunch of asparagus, sweet potatoes, corn, and bread because I'm cooking a barbecue. So I look like I'm having a cookout in the middle of a hurricane, (laughs) which sounds awesome. Essentially, I will be. Yeah, it's that one dude with like condoms and like that's it, like condoms and like. Beer, like wow, that guy's, that guy's gonna weather the storm. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna make a storm, dude. That guy's doing it, man. I, I've actually lived through most natural disasters, not all, because I don't think I've ever officially been through a blizzard, volcano. Uh, no, I've tsunami, volcano. Uh, I've done both of tsunami those. Tsunami is. I grew up on the Pacific Rim, and tsunami is big tidal waves. Yeah, so and caused by a, an earthquake in the ocean. Usually, right? is yeah. that my understanding? Yeah, of? see, yeah. that's why I don't know where they're f- caused from. So I've been, I've been on really big surge surf in Hawaii. Uh, where twenty foot surface asteroid, like, asteroid yes, I've lived through that asteroid. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of every <laughs> but no possible earthquake, thing. tornado, hurricanes, uh, blizzards in Tennessee. There was a blizzard in the '90s that actually shut down East Tennessee pretty bad. And earthquakes, my favorite. I will live through an earthquake every day. I, I grew up on earthquakes. Yeah, and I don't, same they here. Don't scare me. So, how do you feel about hurricanes? Man, that's a tough one because uh, you know asteroids. Back home in the north, <laughs> you said <laughs> you said you lived through every natural disaster there was, and I just wanted to I make sure that meant, that was you know, everyday true. common, like not Mary well, Poppins. <laughs> I thought you might look really good for your age, and uh, you were around for the dinosaurs. Saying I am one thousand and forty-two years old. Oh well, then you must be a, a new Earth Christian. Is that what they are? A young Earth. A flat Earth. No, the, the Earth is flat. But, I mean, the flat Earth like, people. I feel are like one the thing. flat Earth conversation the, is kind of moot at this point no, after th- having the uh, eclipse go on this last week. <laughs> oh no, dude, that's that. Mo- the moon is flat too. Oh, perfect. <laughs> you know, yeah. no, actually, I think that the flat Earth theory that they believe that the moon is round and that the sun is round and that it's just the Earth that's flat. And it's that they're dancing above us, dude. Well, to be fair, the moon could be round and flat. It's just round facing us. We're the disco floor, and the moon and the sun are the disco balls. Dancing around above our heads. That's hey. what's going on. Hey, if uh, the Earth really was round, all the uh, water would fall off the bottom. I don't know if you knew that. Science. That's because Earth is a bowl and the top is flat. Science, 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 science. So, uh, earthquakes. Bill Nye, the science guy. Earthquakes back home in Alaska. <laughs> Have you heard some, some people common. talking shit about Bill Nye? No. He's, he's saying that he's a bit of a sellout. I, I know he's got a Netflix thing going on now, but that's all I know. I see he's on Netflix on some show. Well, someone was being very critical of Bill Nye saying that he's not actually a scientist, that he has an engineering degree, and that his whole, he just wants to say, blah, 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 climate change, and doesn't really have a lot of uh, science to present. To me, Bill Nye has always seemed like a scientist because I'm an idiot and he's smarter than me. So, uh, 
I haven't watched Bill Nye in so long. It's hard for me he, to say he's where got he's got. He's got days. a new show on Netflix. I know. I, I I haven't even made it through Game of Thrones. How am I going to oh, watch the I'm Bill Nye on show? Well, dude. I, fuck Bill Nye. I tried to watch Bill Nye and it's not great. I even gave it two episodes and I was like, eh, fuck that. So I didn't he watch doesn't Bill save Nye the, the first world? time. I'm confused. <laughs> I think it's called Bill Nye Saves the World. Uh, is, it, is it actually called that? But he didn't save the world. I don't think he saves the world at the end. Well, he definitely didn't save your viewership. Well, didn't save what? His viewership. Viewership. He didn't retain my. I thought my, he said uh, his viewership. So what were you saying? Natural disasters. Hurricane. Hurricane. Ike, man. Yeah, oh, we yeah. got a hurricane. Not hurricane. Ike. We got Harvey coming. Um, dude, is it Steve Harvey? It's Steve Harvey, dude. <laughs> He's just out there getting <laughs> just super it's wild. It's just a lot of motivational talk coming our way off the off the Gulf Coast, and then announcing the incorrect pageant winner at the same time. <laughs> dude, I love that video you did. We talked about it the first time you were on. Uh, that you took Steve Harvey's speech. Yeah, that was Stephen Boyd's idea. And put it to skydiving. And I so wish that that Harvey or his people or whoever would would see and, and understand Didn't what you did Didn't they finally there. let us do that? Uh, we assumed permission. Oh, excellent. <laughs> good. I think, uh, good. I like you know, that what, I, what I ended up doing with that video was I, I put a promo for his book at the end of it so that if they tried to come after us and be like, uh, bro, nice. just trying to tell people to read your book. Come nice. on. Very nice. So I thought that would be a solid move. And uh, Steve Sr. asked... Uh, Lee Mac about it, and Lee Mac said, "Yeah, I'll I'll fight it out in court if it comes if it comes to anything." I mean, how the, the dare odds, you promote us? It would be awesome if that video got shared enough to to cause a problem. But man, with the amount of video that's online these days, uh, the odds of it uh, becoming a problem I think are are very small, because the the audio, even though it is his speech, uh, I put new music to it. It's all new footage to it. So like as far as like the the media filters and stuff on Facebook go, there's no way they're gonna find it. So until now, hopefully share it. <laughs> hopefully share. It. So on YouTube, they seem to find that stuff easier than they do on Facebook. Mm, I don't know. I I have had Facebook pull things off pretty quick. Okay, it's just it's kind of luck of the draw to a point. Probably. I mean, I think if you take a song like you take, name me a song. Johnny Cash, Man in Black, Men in Black, whatever it is, Man in Black, yeah. Let's say that I take that song and I use that song in its, uh, you know, its regular duration of whatever two and a half minutes it is or whatever, and I don't change anything about it. I don't add an intro. I don't. I don't change anything. It's probably a lot more likely to find that because it matches more of the variables that it's uh, possible to search it's for. It's a perfect right? match. But, but if I upload my own intro and there are people talking yeah, over it's, whatever it's song I It's basically an algorithm at that point. Yeah, they're, it's, it, they're, all, they're all algorithms. Yeah, there's no, there's no person sitting there listening to people's YouTube and Facebook videos. It's all, it's all software. Besides people at work, that, that's not their job. <laughs> yeah, they're doing it for fun. <laughs> yeah. I could, if I was smart and, I had, and I, was doing, I had a business with music, I would just hire office workers. Hey, you've got your 9-to-5 job. While you're there, why don't you go ahead and watch YouTube videos and just you know, <laughs> click on ones that are violating my music copyrights. Thanks. I'll pay you. There you go. I, you know, I could get double paid in an office. That would be good to go. Double um, dipper. Double dipper. So about the hurricane. <laughs> about what hurricane, man? <laughs> I'm trying to decide still of what to do about the hurricane. We we were talking about that. It's hurricane. Uh, it's going to be a category three by the time it hits landfall. It's going to hit landfall near Corpus Christi. I don't know how much you've watched. Yeah, I know a little bit. I mean, I honestly I heard about this for the first time maybe three days ago. Yeah. Because I I just I mean I've never been through a hurricane. It's not on my radar. It's a thing I've heard of. I've seen it on TV before. But so what do you know about a hurricane? It's very windy. There's a lot of rain. I want to say that. Isn't it over in Asia? They're not called hurricanes. They're called something else. Typhoons. Typhoons. 
There's like, is there any difference? Am I am I getting yeah, that wrong? They're Asian. Ah, nice. The hurricane's there. The eye wall is not perfectly round. They're squinty. <laughs> eye oh walls. my gosh. That's why for I, the record, I he was. is Asian. People, <laughs> so he can say that. I am not. I'm, I'm the whitest, second whitest Asian. So I back know. home, back home, we get what's called Chinook winds, which are hurricane force winds, but they don't call them. That hurricanes. sounds like a made up word. Did you just make that up? Because that's no, like a Chinook helicopter. So Chinook helicopter is named after that. But it, there's a bunch. Is that of different where Schnooky got her name? No, <laughs> Schnooky. The Jersey Shore, the Alaska Shore. I mean. Maybe there's some correlation you know, there. They're kind of the same, only they're tanner. We're really going to talk about this hurricane <laughs> at some point. I'm going to not say some stupid shithead thing for like eight minutes. No, no you're totally fine, man. So, uh, <laughs> no, but I've never experienced a hurricane. So, you know, you start getting these warnings on your phone and you see it in the news and it's like, okay, well, do I just stay home or do I, like, is this going to be th- the last storm that I was warned to prepare for in Houston ended up being nothing. Yeah. It didn't flood. It hardly rained. I went to work. It was super normal. That's kind of how everybody's been saying it is when you prep for it, it never happens. So I'm prepping a lot for this one. <laughs> I, I hope you turn into like, a, you know what a prepper is? Someone Doomsday who's like, prepper. Yeah, like someone who's prepared for Armageddon at any given moment. Oh, no, don't get me wrong. I, I have lots of guns in my trailer and I'm but how stocked up with uh, freeze-dried food for the next 10 years. All right, cool. You're one of them. I like it. Yeah, my father has MREs stockpiled in dressers in his house. Uh, thousands of rounds of ammo for several hundred guns. Not See, several hundred. Anyone? Does guns. he eat MREs? Uh, he was a Marine for 28 years. He's lived off of okay, them. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it just fr- like anyone who's eating an MRE who yeah. isn't active military, who like that's their only choice. Those people freak me out. No, he won't. He won't eat them. They're Every now and then, he might eat one for fun. Right. Just as a gag, or people find but out he's got. I'm all just stuff. thinking of the dude who lives in the woods, wears camo a lot, carries like an old Mark CB Fields. radio the with him everywhere. Yeah, Mark Fields. <laughs> dude, Mark Fields used to live in the fucking woods of Indiana, in old fire trucks, school buses, whatever, living off of the land. He was completely off the grid. Go ask Mark one day about his off the grid life. I mean, he's mentioned it to me a couple of times. Yeah, he's got some cool fucking stories, that old man. It, people who jump at Skydive Space Land, Mark Fields is the mechanic who looks like Santa Claus and acts like the grumpy devil. Uh, just he's also a decent dude, cook. He's so he's, friendly. He's the friendliest me? dude to me as well. And he's grumpy because you just don't give him the time of day. You don't treat him like a human being. You just think he's the mechanic. Hey, he, Mark, how you doing today? He brought in Good some weird, you. like, jello raspberry crumble that he made. Oh, it was he amazing. Loves making that Everything thing. he makes is so good. Uh, he is a huge fan of, uh, oh, what are those mushrooms? Morel mushrooms. Yeah. If you want to be on Mark's good side forever, find some morel mushrooms and bring them to him. And he's going to cook some for you, and they're amazing. And we need to talk to our wives about Mark and dinner. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you, we, you have we, a wife. You I have know. a wife. The rest of us don't. So you need to talk to your wife. He knows what I meant. His boss, Sam. Is what <laughs> I, 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 we should <laughs> talk to our bosses. I'm bossy. Do you guys know that song? You probably don't know that song. I don't know that song. <sighs> I learned about a song from Ben this fucking last Friday. It's Friday, Friday. Oh, Gotta someone told me that Dude, I was, he was supposed singing to all I to day last that. weekend. Yeah. No, I, th- I feel like someone approached me and said, hey, you know this song? Make fun of DJ with it. I was oh no! I told you last podcast you when me? you left to we were gonna all send messages. Oh to ben yeah, that's Frank right. Chance okay, wanted okay. us to, and I dropped the ball, Mr. Frank Chance. So I I totally fucked that up, and I'm sorry, um, dude. I I was listening. There there is a uh, Frog Leap Studios, and I'm saying it the right direction. Frog Leap Studios is some Norwegian dude, and and he plays all sorts of music. And one of the things he does is he covers a shitload, like 180 songs in metal. And I like, dude. 
Michael Jackson, Vanilla Ice, MC Hammer, Pink. Dude, apparently I like Taylor Swift because he's jamming this Taylor Swift song. I'm like, dude, I love this song. He's, he's ripping. Who is it? Taylor Swift. Like, oh, okay, then I like Taylor Swift. I'm good with that. Um, and yeah, fucking dude, if you play that song in here, I will punch you in the face so hard. Um, and apparently that Friday song, you know the song? Yeah, I know the song you're talking about. Yeah, I, I've never heard it before. He was singing that. And oh god, Ben, take that off the screen, you <laughs> you son of a bitch! Isn't it so crazy? Some of the videos that go viral. No, it's it's, it's our like, friends in this video that really get me going. Like they think they're being very cool, dude. And they everything don't looks cool in slow motion. It's awesome. Oh my god! Right, you're welcome. I took that off. You're uh, but no, like the, that video, that video, which by everybody's measure is fucking terrible. Has 111 million views. Is that what I just saw? Yeah, but it also is like 90% of the, you know, you have the thumbs up and the thumbs down. 90% of the response is thumbs down, yeah, which I don't think I've ever seen. That it's so strongly hated is amazing. That's true. It was, uh, I, Ben played, so <laughs> it, was a, it was a metal version. I had no clue what's going on. And then him and Frank tell me about the song and they play it. And it blows my mind so much. At some point, Ben's laughing at the look of, Horror. What was the look on my face? How would you describe that? Disgust mixed with <laughs> pain mixed with anger. I, I think just, would be the best way to describe uh, that. I didn't know what to do. Like, what the fuck is that song? <laughs> you listen to Louis C.K. a little bit? Uh, a little bit. He, he's got a really funny bit where he's talking about he, he's running on the beach and he sees this guy rollerblading and like crazy tiny shorts and he's just like he he, he said I had, he had to stop running because he needed his whole body to hate this guy with and that's a feeling I'm all too familiar with <laughs> that's how I felt when I watched this. some little fucking rich 16 year old brat and, and she might be a really nice girl she'll never hear what I have to say she doesn't care what I have to say but maybe a nice girl her fucking parents paid for her to make this music video with her little friends and now she's amounted to more in life than any of us will because of one stupid YouTube video yeah I, we're not amounting to much, man. I mean, let's face it, we're professional sky. No, she's got well, us beat. Well, you know, beat. to That's be fair, she's <laughs> correct. We do got to get down when it comes to Friday. <laughs> See, I don't actually know any of the lyrics, but I'm happy that you do. Oh I'm going to play God. it for you nonstop. That's fine. He, he is. And you know how you get songs stuck in your head? Oh, yeah. It's y terrible. You're going to hate Ben Nelson for this one. He uh, is is an absolute asshole. Um, sorry, just looking at some of the screens. Watching Ben try to operate the screens makes things look weird. Um, I think Ben ruined it. I think that's I think, what happened. I think Ben broke it. Uh, reload <laughs> uh, face. Not re yeah, just reload that and click on it again. No, that's working. I'm excited to come back there and see what's going on. You just really want to go back there and see what's going on. You know, on. it gives me a little bit of anxiety, you know? <laughs> like, I get this feel When I don't go to work, dude, I have this crazy anxiety in me. That, like, and now that the load clock exists... If I'm not at work and it's like not a totally shit weather day, I'm checking the low clock. I wonder what's going on. Man, that was uh, that was hard for me for a while. I, I I now leave the DZ and I'm good at like it's gone. Yeah, I I get it. Like I understand. Yeah. Like I think about jobs that I've had that I've enjoyed less, that I was really happy to leave that job and have nothing to do with it. You know, and it's like I really enjoy what I do. I enjoy skydiving uh, so much on its own that it's like. Uh, it's hard for me because I like it, and it's hard for me because now it's just a really strong habit mm -hmm. that it's like, yeah, I just want to work. Is that okay? Can I just work all the time? I like feeling productive. You know, it's just, uh, it just makes me feel sane. For me, I've gotten productive 
living through my phone. I, I, I will mock people who live off of their phone. It drives me nuts when I see people on their phone nonstop. You've, you've been to dinner with me. You notice I usually put my phone on do not disturb, and I just put it away. I'm here to hang out with my friends. But when I'm off, like I'm going on vacation soon. I'll work every morning, uh, but I'll work an hour each morning. All I got to do is emails and catch up with everybody who's doing stuff. Unfortunately, I uh, I have a bunch of guys I can trust. That that really I think is where my my luck is. The guys who are running courses for me and doing business for me are just guys I can trust to do it to be to be there. Yep, there goes Ben being the one who uh, can't meet. Well, his hey there, Mister Ben. Welcome back to the show. I don't like either of you. <laughs> <laughs> no surprise. Okay, so hurricane. the hurricane. <laughs> we're gonna do. We're gonna make it through a hurricane talk. I know it. So, uh, are you ready for the hurricane? What have you done? I, to I feel pretty ready. So, normally when I go grocery shopping, I really only buy one or two days worth of food because I like eating fresh food and uh-huh. you know I like my ritual of going to the store and poking around and getting fresh meat and whatever. So usually I only spend you know when I go to the store it's thirty or forty bucks, and uh, I spent a hundred and ten dollars at the store yesterday getting nice. extra stuff. So nice. I I got three times my normal. You know, my normal volume of food. And then I didn't feel like I'd gotten enough, so I went to Sprouts on my way. I went to Whole Foods. God, I fucking hate how I say it. I went to the grocery store. Went to another grocery (laughs) store on the way way home. God, see, I hate it, too, because when I hear people say, oh, yeah, I was at Whole Foods. It's like, God, you pretentious fuck. Shut up. I went to Starbucks (laughs) first. Yeah, I don't go there. That's good. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so I didn't feel like I had gotten enough. And so I went to Sprouts, got uh, some of those bars, those one bars, yeah. Oh my god! And have uh, you seen me eating those one bars? No. So I the, the gimmick of it is only one gram of sugar in this bar, and they're fucking delicious. They have this birthday cake flavor. Oh, and the, did you try the? Have you tried any of the other flavors? No. They I have this coconut almond one that tastes just like a like an almond joy. Ugh. Super good. One, anyway, it's called one. One, yeah. Sprout, Sprouts sells them over here. The one here in Pearland and the one in the city. But interesting. Uh, yeah, super. You good, know where man. Sprouts is here? I in do. Okay. I do know where it's at. It's fucking, dude. He he brought me a birthday cake and uh, the chocolate chip cookie one. Cookie you dough. You also brought in like a it's fucking good as shit. A dude. buffalo meat treat of some type that looked delicious. Yeah, Stephen has those a lot. He gets the the he, on it brand ones, the warrior uh, bars. warrior bars. Yeah, yeah. but uh, there's a mighty bar is another brand, an epic bar is another brand. Those look good. I want to yeah, try. They're, they're super yummy. There's it's, like, uh, it's just buffalo. It's like buffalo jerky, with really. cranberry. Yeah. Some archer named Target. Archer is a Target name brand, but there's some name like that. It, uh, Sprouts as well that I really like what they make. Also, speaking um, of Steven, so he's right just joined right now. What's up, Steven? Ayo, Steven Boyd, Monsignor, Mr. Boyd. So it's Crater. So it's uh, yeah, all kinds of people. Oh, good. Oh, is that Heath? Heath, Heath's oh, on man. board too. Dude, My Heath boys. actually hops in regularly, and I I've told Heath when he's in town, I'd love to have him on the show. Hell and yeah, he I'd be here for that. He is hesitant, actually. He, uh, dude, he's got so many cool stories to tell and so many school, cool stories to share. And he's lived a very uh, good life in skydiving. And, and I don't think, and I'll tell on him just a little bit here, I don't think he's proud of all of it, and that's all I'll say. Um, but we all make mistakes. We forgive and forget. We move on. And I really hope he can find it in himself to come on because I think... I think we can talk on. him into it. I, dude, I hope so, man, because... Get a, get a few beers in him. We'll just sit in there and have, have a good little chat. It's going to be great. I don't think he does beers. I think he does hard stuff. Like oh, dude. Good well, stuff. He'd, be Even drinking better. he'd be drinking this much. I haven't yeah. seen a podcast yet where the scotch hasn't been sitting here. 
So uh, look for uh, Google uh, Psycho Circus Free Oh, plug. yeah, dude. That's some good and video. find that trailer of theirs. It, it's, it's, it starts off with a kiss song. Welcome to the Psycho Circus. And uh, throw that in the con- the links, man. So Heath was free flying, and this this video was compiled in '99 and 2000. We were both jumping in Elsinore uh, back there. Uh, Psycho uh, with a K, and Circus with a K. So, um, or at least just a circus, rather. Yeah, not the Psycho, just a circus. My bad. Um, maybe include Elsinore in there if you need to. And dude, the, the flying those guys were doing. You've seen the videos, right? Oh yeah. Dude, if you people haven't seen it, check it out. Psycho Circus, uh, Elsinore, uh, Google it is yeah, and it's the first thing that comes up as their demo. They're doing some face-to-face head-down carving that's tight as shit. See, I didn't know who Heath was when he came back when he showed back up at the drop zone. I just didn't, I just didn't know his name, didn't know his his background, you know. Yeah. And we were on a, a free fly jump. I want to say it was me, him, and Antonio, and. Uh, we hadn't r- really gotten to know each other at all. And I think it was just on the airplane. He's like, what, what turn? This is when we could still do big turns up front at the drop zone. And he's like, what turn, what turn do you do? It's like, Oh, I'm uh, just going to do a right hand 270. He's like, cool. I'm going to follow you in. And I was like, I don't fucking know you, but you <laughs> seem super confident about this. So I'm just going to go roll with yeah. it. And, uh, the jump went great. He, he flew well. And, uh, and yeah, he flew right up to me under canopy and he was close enough that we were conversing. And then uh, he got, you know, he was just just off to my side and followed me through the whole turn. And every time I checked in with him, he was just staring back at me like it was a super normal thing for him to be doing. And, uh, yeah, that, then I started to ask, like, who is who is this guy? I just remember him showing up at Spaceland, and the only real free fly coaching we'd been getting was from Steven because there wasn't a lot of free flyers, to be honest. And then Heath showed up, and when people ask me, how'd you learn to free fly, I always say, well, I learned from Steven Boyd and Heath because... Those guys, man, I learned so much from those guys in oh. like in like a year. It was awesome. I bet money that, uh, and I don't know, no, so I've never talked to Steven or Trent about this, but I bet money that Heath and Robert and, and Larry, that was actually Psycho Circus, were guys who inspired uh, Anomaly because those were really some of the big uh, bigger names and up and comers. Yeah, totally. Uh, that that trailer that you put up there, the demo for Psycho Circus, that was pre Free Fly Nationals. Free Fly still wasn't a national event yet when that that video was produced. So it, it's he, he's definitely a badass. When he did his recurrency jump, he walked up onto the drop zone, and Chuck Akers and I are sitting up in the deli talking about a safety day event and you know wh- what I'm doing for safety day and what Chuck's going to do for organizing to get all the jumpers there. And we, we were working together, and I'm on my computer completely focused. Heath and I haven't seen each other at this point in 11 or 12 years probably, maybe a little bit more. I'm on my computer just trying to read some stuff, and this guy walks up to me. Hey, are you DJ? Yeah, yeah, I'm DJ, man. How you doing? And just glance at him out of the corner of my eye, you know, that nod and keep looking down. DJ Marvin? Yeah, man, yeah, I'm DJ Marvin. What can I do for you? The DJ Marvin? And he says it, you know, very smart-assly, just the way he said it. I'm like, <laughs> so I stop, I look at him, I'm like, I'm sorry, man. You have me an advantage. I don't know know if I'm the DJ Marvin. I'm a DJ Marvin. Do I owe you money? <laughs> and uh, I said, obviously, we've met before. Sorry. And he uh, looked at me and said something about Elsinore or 99. He said one thing, one word, and I think it was just Elsinore. And I looked at him and said, holy, we've aged a lot over the years. We knew each other when we were in our young 20s. We knew each other when we could both grow hair on the top of our head. We're both very thinning, me more than him. <laughs> and what we do have is gray, and we both got chubby. And I was like, 
holy fuck, dude, Heath Richardson. And uh, it, it was great. We caught up that, oh, my God, next two weeks. Basically, for two weeks, him and I spent almost nonstop together. And then he went to one party and met Paula and went home with her that night and has never left her side since. <laughs> so I lost Heath to Paula. <laughs> Those two are, wh- wh- I think of, uh, you know, Couples that just aren't really go well together, you yes, know. Sir. Those those two work great. Yes, sir. And uh, you know, I have. I don't know. It's a little bit too much love for me. Yeah, gross. There's a lot of love there, and <laughs> it's how you treat your dog. The lonely, yeah. lonely man in the corner over there. That's how you treat Maxie and Queso. They're good dogs. Don't e- you even talk bad about them. <laughs> <laughs> so back to the hurricane, dude. I have uh, gotten a little bit. No, wha- I got actually, one more thing about Heath. One more thing about oh, Heath. Oh, I love Heath. And he's turned into like one of the most badass pilots. Around. Oh, he's an amazing pilot. Amazing. Yeah. I, that's what I love. Like being in the plane with Heath. Uh, Jason Hyder's another one. That it's like the moment I look up, it's like, oh, okay. Like this is going to be an easy ride, and I feel super safe if anything goes wrong. There's there's some pilots that you get in the plane, and like you don't even have to worry about it. You're like, ah, I don't have to care about this because I can just relax and go to yeah. And Heath is definitely one of them. Agreed. Uh, he, uh, Stephen Boyd said Heath looks the same, uh, Fountain of Youth or something like that. He, uh, Stephen, pull up, and if you don't have a copy of it, hit me up. I'll, I'll let you watch my copy, Free Fly Millennium 2. Heath is talking, and I got to show you guys this video when we leave, of, of Heath talking in his long, flowing locks and his gorgeous hair. <laughs> and I will show you a picture, not Free Fly Clowns, Free Fly Millennium. Uh, Free Fly Millennium 2, Liquid Sky was the name of the video. And you will agree, oh my God, I forgot about some of these videos. Uh, you'll agree that Heath, he's, he's aged just a little bit. I definitely have aged Well, a lot. The, the reason that Heath does not appear to age is because he's hiding under the same hat and behind the same sunglasses for the last, <laughs> since I've met him. Actually, it's been a while since I've seen him without sunglasses, yeah, dude, even on a dark day. You don't even hangar. know if he has eyes anymore. You, you couldn't say for certain. Well, I know he can fly well, so even if he's blind, I mean... He's yeah. doing a good. He's doing it right. So most people are very unassuming about Heath. We just briefly mentioned that he was one of the most badass free flyers I think I've known. It is. Was, yeah, it is. It was very cool for me because he was a coach of mine. His team convinced me and my buddies to start a free fly team and to get him back into skydiving. That was the ultimate give back move. This guy coached me for a couple years, and suddenly I get to get him back into the sky. Everybody at Spaceland stared at me funny, all accepting but wondering. Why am I taking this dude out on recurrency jump, flying a velocity 84, and doing everything free flying? We launched head down, no contact, grabbed the flower. You, you see, you've been with me on my head. If I'm on the hill, I'm comfortable. Once we start going fast, I get scared. Um, we're on the hill, take the dock, roll over to a sit, break it. Now he has to do his series, and he does it all on his head. Uh, does a 270 on his fucking 84 and had one of the best swoops of the entire load. Seven years off. He's not just a badass free flyer, but he was uh, one of the first four members of the PD Factory team. Yeah, a lot totally. of people didn't know that it was she, uh, uh, Ian Bobo, Shannon Pilcher, uh, JMO, and Heath, and they were the first four until Heath just absolutely fell off the wayside. He uh, of, the, of the sport, he just went on and did another life. He also won the first World Cup of canopy piloting. I think it was an unofficial event that year, but he is one of those forefathers for us for swooping. That's uh, hot as so fucking much. Thank you, Heath. Dude, from I the lo- bottom of Mars. I love you, Heath. I love you, baby doll. You'll always be my man. And then he went to Dallas and he left us. What an idiot. For that little bean dip. God, for that little bean dip. God, <laughs> she's cool too, by the way. I uh, do. Paul, Paul is awesome. So, hurricanes, man. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> I got prepared. I filled up my gas tank. 
which I thought was a solid move in case oh power goes gosh. up. Oh my I got a filling a gas tank story, but go. Just go with your with your story. Nope. <laughs> no. Yeah, nope. No, because this prolongs the hurricane conversation even more, which I'm super into right now. About your gas tank? Do you really want me to? Yeah, okay, go for so it. No, I, so <laughs> I was like, yeah. On bated breath? <laughs> no, I, I was like, okay, I'm just going to get the hurricane thing out. It's going to be over with. We're going to have talked about the hurricane, but now let's stretch it out. You know, yeah, we're going to stretch it out because I have to. I have to. So it's it's one of those days where I've had a lot of really bad stuff happen. Like my battery decided that it didn't want to hold a charge in my car, so I had to change that out. And then the guy that you went out I, with the night before didn't call you. No, the next he, didn't day. Call me, he didn't call me back, Ugh. like dick. Anyways, I'm over here at uh, at the auto parts store down the road, and I turn my car off. I'm buying a new battery. I can't get it back on. So DJ actually had to come jump me and bring me back here. Him. So you that beat I him can, up? Yeah, he jumped no, me. No, no, no. I jumped him, you know. Oh, you jumped, jumped, his, jumped his bones. Yeah, yeah. Oh, hey. He jumped my car. And then we came back here. And, and by the way, like on a dirt so bike. mine's longer than yours. <laughs> Kind of hate you guys. Mine is <laughs> mine is way longer. I hate than you guys uh, so your, much. Yours wouldn't even reach, and you didn't know how to use it. He hey, had, you know, Ben Nelson <laughs> helped me jump my car once, and he put the leads on backwards and melted the jumper cable. That is such a lie, you <laughs> sack of crap. And, and then he felt so bad that he bought me new jumper cables, and they're still in my car. Uh, that is such a... Actually, it's very true. <laughs> <laughs> and he's looking over at me, because I don't think we knew each other all that well at this point. <laughs> no, gosh, I can't, that can't be true. But uh, he was looking at me like I was the asshole who had it hooked up backwards. <laughs> And then he looked down and saw what he was doing. It was great. I dude, when we jumped his car, I'm today, so old. Look at me, I'm so old. I'm older than you. I know how to jump start a car. It's not that hard. Whatever. Hey, You're rip. a man. You should know how to do this. You're from Alaska. Man child. I'm a man child. No, Jay hey, people is make a mistakes. man child. People make mistakes. <laughs> Your parents made a mistake. Okay, you're at the auto parts store. <laughs> no, DJ so, saves so the day. I'm just telling you that this is how my day went. Like I needed, like I woke up this morning, I could barely start my car. I was like, Wait, Damn how it. long ago is this? This was this morning. This is today. This is today. Oh, okay, all right. I wake up this morning, and I go into the hangar, and I like turn my vehicle on. It's like barely start. I was like, oh man, this hurricane's coming. My batteries. This is jacked. going longer than two hours. Anyways, <laughs> so I come into town. I buy I buy a new battery. I need to have him come jumpstart my car. We come over here. We change up my battery. Awesome. Then I go to the grocery store and fight that battle, which was a pain in the butt. Then I go back to the drop zone. We have a student land way off in the middle of nowhere that resulted in some not happiness. But I'm coming back from that. I'm like, all right, I got to get some gas. I'm on empty. I've been on empty for a long, long time. <laughs> this and is so, a good story. I know so this I, <laughs> I pulled into the gas station and I'm trying to make my card work and it's like not working. And in the process, I hear sirens and I like look behind me. I'm like, what? What is this? I I swear to God, there were 30 cop cars. There were sheriff's department, Brazoria County sheriffs. There was Houston PD. There was Pearland. They were chasing this dude in a in a green Tahoe. And the front end was all jacked, and it was, like, freshly jacked. You could see, like, fluid of some type. I don't know if it was washer fluid or whatever, but it's dripping, and he's driving. Comes to the intersection and, like, realizes there's traffic, so he pulls into the gas station. He's a foot from my car, and that's where the cops get him. So there's, like, yes! 40 cops <laughs> with guns drawn, and I'm sitting there with my card in my hand, like, uh, I just want to get gas. And so they're <laughs> taking this guy down, and I'm like, uh, all right, I got to, like, try and get some gas. I can't make the pump work. To top it off, Stephen Boyd was driving by, and he's like, "Ah, uh, shot some video of me in there." I was like, I wouldn't have my phone out the whole time, bro. Yeah, I I was just trying to get gas. Anyways, so uh, I watched the dude uh, totally get taken out. It was awesome. So they got their man. They got they got their man. I wonder. What I he didn't was get any from. gas though. My card wasn't working. It was crazy. So did you get gas before you came here? You I did. I finally got gas. Okay, on just the making way sure here. you're not running on E. There's a hurricane tomorrow. I don't know There's, if you've heard I, about that's it. That's what I'm saying. 
I was smart enough to uh, get gas yesterday. I wasn't low on gas, but I just realized there was a hurricane coming. Gas prices are about to skyrocket. No, I've got food. I've got water. I've got gas, and I've got my drone. So my plan, I think I told you this, my plan is to tomorrow morning before it starts getting bad, if it's not raining, I'm going to try and get some before shots of places like the bayou and places that I've seen flood really badly. Nice. And then when it fills up and the, and the rain stops, so in three days from now, try and get the same shots. So get yeah, a before yeah. and after of uh, of the flood. Can you record your path, your your flight path and I can, replay yeah. it? Uh-huh. Refly it? Yeah. I, I think with my old drone, I could make it. Uh, it would memorize the framing and everything. I think with the new one, it me- memorizes waypoints, so it will fly to the same spots, but it's up to me to control the camera and, and point it in the right spot. But the, the drone will be physically in the same spots. Dude, I can't wait to get that drone out and chasing my car around. Dude, it's going to be awesome. I think it'll go, I want to say the drone goes 50-some miles an hour, but I mean like a cruising down the road, 40 miles an hour, have it. It's, Dude, it's cruising down the beach near Surfside, going 40 and eventually accelerating it like 55 and then slowing it back down just to get that panoramic. Oh, my God. I want and to it, cool it is photos. actually totally legal to do that in sparsely populated areas. So I'm, I'm picking the right area by looking yeah. at Surfside. I mean, we just got to drive through it and make sure we're not playing with any trees or power lines. We're going we to have to find a, a clear stretch. But yeah. yeah, I'm not too worried about trees. You've been on, down the stretch of Surfside, I'm sure. No, never. Really? Oh, dude, the drop zone is the furthest south I've ever been. Really? <laughs> yeah, I've never gone to the... I get, I've been to Galveston once uh, for a fishing trip with Sam's dad. But uh, no, Awkward. I've never... Like the, the 288 exit on 1462, I've never been south of that. Wow, that that's... Don't get a speeding ticket ever in Brazoria County. That's If you do that, man, you know where Angleton is? Yep. That is the county seat. And if you get a speeding ticket... If I go to Houston and get a speeding ticket, it will be easier than me getting a speeding ticket here in Pearland from a sheriff. If I get a speeding ticket from a sheriff, I'm going to drive 45 minutes to get to the fucking courthouse. If I get one from Houston, I'm going to drive 20 minutes to get to the courthouse. You taught traffic school, correct? I taught traffic school for That's one a of the, my favorite facts about DJ. Yeah. Like, uh, thinking about him teaching traffic schools, like, <laughs> yeah. yes. No, actually, it's it so gets fitting. better. Not only did he teach traffic school, but you were part of a group that did it using magic. <laughs> And we, uh, some and of people, go. God, <laughs> nerd power. That's nerd power to the next level, my friend. And some, it's so what, wait, what was the you. name of the company? So there were 13 different traffic schools and driving schools within the company. So what was the name? There was a shitload of them, and they were all marketed to different uh, clients. Was it the Magic Touch Driving School? So God, that Magic. Would have been great. Magic Mike, you guys were the basis for the movie. <laughs> yes, that's dude. awesome. Uh, I cannot remember. <laughs> I think the magic version was just a magic magic comedy traffic school because every magician that worked for the traffic school. Uh, so there's ma- there are magician comedians and comedian magicians. Uh, the amazing Jonathan, if you've ever seen him, is a comedian magician. A Does comedian. he actually have an amazing Johnson? Dude, Jonathan. Oh, Jonathan I thought you said the amazing Jonathan. <laughs> I was like, man, amazing Jonathan homeboy is packing for a show. Is a funny <laughs> as fuck and be a good magician, but he uses magic to enhance his comedy. You know, comedy's his bit. Magic is what he does, or, or magic is comedy's way. Does magic is just an enhancer. Can he play basketball? Uh, I don't think so, man. He's very, <laughs> he's very white. white. He yeah, he's white as fuck, dude. I did magic comedy. I use comedy to, in- to but it, it's to a magic, magic comedy traffic school. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. I would. Dude. I would. Get a ticket just so I could go to that. Yeah. 
It was interesting. I, I, uh, at some point, I did linking rings in the middle of class. <laughs> talk about traffic accidents. Like, so, hey, man, you're just driving down the road, and bam, all of a sudden, you're here, and you're in somebody's ass right here, man. And now you have this problem, and because you're not paying attention to the guy behind you who's on his phone texting, boom, all of a sudden, now you have all these links. And, man, all you had to do is not be on your phone. Oh, my God, all the links are gone apart. Uh, we had card <laughs> tricks. We had everything. So the owner of the company was a magician for 30-plus years. At that point, I had done magic for about 12. Um, if I, on a rare, rare, rare occasion you will catch me do a card trick or a coin trick, just practicing. You won't catch me do it for anybody, but you'll catch me manipulate cards or coins just every now and then. Steve Boyd, Sr., Caught me at our Christmas party doing a couple card tricks when nobody was looking, and he caught me, and I put the card deck down and walked <laughs> away. Doing card tricks where, where nobody's looking and you got caught. Well, that sounds like a fifteen-year-old boy getting caught masturbating. I, dude, I, f- <laughs> I felt dirty because <laughs> oh, I wasn't. So I wasn't doing well, what you thought I was doing. Well, the trick ended with him pulling a card out of his ass. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, well, that makes sense. So we we used to have Christmas parties. I in hit the, the card in my special place, and and the staff was show me where the magician touched you, <laughs> right here. The staff was small enough we could all fit in the deli, and he did a casino. Is it night. frustrating yet to try and tell this story? No, not at all. <laughs> because you know it's funny being on this side of the microphone. I feel so much more entitled to just blurt out stupid. <laughs> shit that it go- this goes through my head all the time back there but i'm just like ah that's not funny like you're just gonna ruin the conversation but since i'm sitting in this seat i will ruin this conversation as many times as i want so what i've joined the enjoyed the most tonight so far is that and i wish you would do it more hey did you know that i there? have a totally clean driving record not a single ticket on my driving record <laughs> no shit yeah but it's because i did get one ticket i had to go to traffic school Oh, was it a magician traffic? He school? didn't do any fucking magic what tricks, and now I'm pissed. I'm gonna call him tomorrow and complain. Yeah. Hey, ten years ago, I went to traffic school there, and the old man didn't do any magic. Dude, tricks. You didn't even pull one card out of your ass. <laughs> so one of the best parts about this traffic school is they had a lifetime membership. <laughs> yeah, you just keep fucking up. So in California, at least at the time, I don't know the laws. How many times can you go to traffic school to well, avoid a once a every eighteen months? Is the legal stipulation? <laughs> really, that still seems like way too often. <laughs> but well, I mean, I saw a dude. Like every week for two months straight, and I'm not fucking joking. <laughs> uh, there was a guy in San Diego. I think Mr. Traffic is his name in the yellow pages because that's when I taught traffic school. We used the yellow fucking pages, and Mr. Traffic would go to court for you and get you out of traffic tickets. And dude, I, I literally saw some dude for two or three months straight every single Saturday because he had to do like. Eight or twelve traffic schools to help. <laughs> did you feel? DUI? Did you feel like you had to do like some new tricks? Yeah, for this I was guy? gonna say like you do the same old thing every time. <laughs> like, shit, this guy's seen my routine yeah. like twelve. I feel times. like you could be a really bad heckler if you're not careful. So I had done. So in the end, and done. I did like full time, not full time. I taught traffic school regularly for about. Hey two Ben, years. did you hear that there's a hurricane coming <laughs> this weekend? <laughs> um, but after two years, I a was magical mainly, hurricane. <laughs> I was mainly the manager, and I only filled <laughs> in in courses where I was needed. But like anything, you had like several routines. You had several like, hey, this is where the class is going. This is where the conversation is. So I'm going to flow into this. So I walked in with a bag, a pretty big bag that I would use. More like a sack. Two-thirds of the tricks in, and you wouldn't always see the same <laughs> tricks over and over again. So you were here for Hurricane Ike at the end. I was never. I know. I, oh, I was. I was here for that, Hurricane Yeah, Ben was. I wasn't. That was, that was before Dude, my time here. So there, there were people who went one to two days without power after Hurricane Ike, and there were people who went two or three weeks Without power. And we were two doors away from a week-long difference. People two doors down from our house, on our, we were in our, this is our old house, had power two days after, three days after Hurricane Ike, and a week, almost eight, nine days after them, we got power. 
So Wait, so you were without power for over a week? A week, week and a half. Holy shit. Yeah, no power at all. Uh, first tip that I'll give anybody, if you've never thought about this, is really silly idea that you think is kind of a dumb moment, but take jugs of water, put them in your freezer, and once they're frozen, Correct. as soon as you think anything's going on, put them in your fridge before you lose power. A, it's going to keep your fridge and freezer cooler longer. B, you have water. So just stock your water actually in those units, not the water you're going to drink right away because you don't want to open the fridge for as long as you can. Um, we went hours, or day, a week, week and a half. Thank God the weather was cool and comfortable. Um, you know the north side of the storm is the dirty side? Yeah, that just means it's the rainy side. Is that what I'm thinking of? Tornadoes. Oh, word? Yeah, no, it, it is. So the eye of Ike went straight through Houston, basically. Uh, the eye of Ike was actually extremely large. Ike, in general, was very, very large as overall mass goes. And the eye was big enough that it went through downtown Houston and here. And that's a very, fairly large uh, calm. And it also went north. The north side of downtown or north in spring and woodlands had way more damage than we did on the south side. And it was dominantly because of hurricane or earthquake. Uh, Tornadoes. Thank you. Those words. <laughs> I'm going to go through. Comets, <laughs> tornadoes, asteroids, Hard satellites. Do you remember the movie Twister from the, from the 90s? Dude, Helen Hunt was in it. I loved she it. She was so sexy. And I, I love Helen Hunt. But, oh, man, ever since seeing Twister, I've always had this fantasy about watching a tornado just destroy something. I've seen, you know those fucking water barrels on freeways? Yeah. I've watched one of those fly across the freeway. Cow! Yeah. No, I've, I've been in a car Another driving. Another cow. <laughs> <laughs> I've been in a dry road. I've uh, been driving down the road and watch that go in front of our car. I have watched trees fly a mile away. I wasn't close enough to actually see it. Uh, the vice president of my college in Tennessee, his next door neighbor had a tree planted in the middle of his house from the tornado. He lived two miles from where we were at. Um, not a big fan of tornadoes, but earthquakes. I like them. I just want to see one just rip through an open field. Like, I don't want to see anyone you get chase hurt. One? Huh? You want to chase one? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I don't know. That sounds scary. I just want to see it from like a mile away. I just want to be like, oh, shit, there is that thing. Even from a mile away, you're probably going to be like super freaked out. Yeah, totally. But I mean, I want it to feel real, you know? No, dude, if I, I wish I could know where a tornado was going to hit accurately and quickly enough that I could say, guys, there's one 20 minutes away. Let's get in the car and let's fucking chase this motherfucker. I can outdrive it. Let's go. I don't normally drive fast, but I can. Let's do well, it. Well, you didn't buy those Mustangs for, for nothing, right? Dude, one of them slow as shit. Okay, well, let's take the fast one. Your your van can outrun the 67. I'll bet money on it. Uh, let's. That sounds like a race that needs to happen. Yeah. Uh, also, I want a video of and that. Then, and then the drone will fly the drones by the side to get the photo finish at the end. The drone doesn't go much slower than that 67 is capable of. <laughs> no. Uh, I think 90 is what it's capable of. Yeah. I do think I, I can top out 90. Well, uh, I'll tell you from studying what from is my it, a drone. 67? Yeah. That 67 is like an old man. Right? Looks good, but For now. just can't really perform that well. For now. God, it's, like the ben Nelson. it's like the Ben Nelson of cars. Beautiful. For now. Looks okay, but God, don't even expect him to perform. So when is the storm supposed to really start get, getting going here? <laughs> Tomorrow, tomorrow night. Yeah. Tomorrow night, uh, Saturday-ish is when it's going to make landfall, but we're going to start seeing all the, the rainfall and stuff hit tomorrow. So tomorrow morning, I'm, I still have a fair shot with my with my uh, pre-storm drone shots, you think? Oh, absolutely, man. The right. uh, winds will pick up. I, my guess is, and I've just been watching a lot of weather recently, we won't see winds that you can't fly your drones in until Friday afternoon, evening. Maybe a little bit later, but probably Friday afternoon. You can get in that shot then. All right. How, what's the highest you can fly that drone in? I don't know. It does pretty well because it's got the GPS. 
so it can fly based just on the image sensors. So based on what it sees out of the camera, and then there are, uh, I don't know if they're infrared sensors, but it's got sensors on every side of it to help it guide itself visually. And then it also connects to GPS satellites that keep it within a, you know, a five-foot bubble. He so it's it's constantly correcting for the wind, trying to stay in the same spot all the time. Have you seen this thing track somebody or something? Not yet. No, it's brand new, right? He he, it's pretty new, yeah. But I can so you walk out into the field, right? And I see you on the camera, and on my little screen, I draw a little box around you. Yeah. And I hit go, and it follows you around wherever you go. And you can juke it. it you won't. I dude, he's chased me with this thing, or it's chased me, and it's I'm trying to change directions. I'm and I'm not trying to get super tricky, but I'm definitely moving around. And this motherfucker stalks me. I mean, it, it reminds me of a skydiver I know. Huh. Jace Mills was asking what kind of drone it is again. Oh, it is a DJI Phantom 4 Pro Plus. Mm. Jace is, uh, Jason is actually his, his uh, what I know him as. Jason, remember I've told you on multiple occasions about this dude who builds these ginormous, really badass-looking drones? You've told me that, yeah. Yeah, this is Jason. Oh, well, he's got a better drone than me, then. And, uh, uh, dude, he just put a... a uh, Him and every other man you know. There's six motors on the last quad he sent me a picture of, and those six motors are using DJI motors. Um, 960s or something like These are that. like the drones that they use to pick that dude up off the uh, tower and let him skydive from yeah. the drone, or base jump from the drone. Um... DJI 960 uh, kilovolt uh, motors. Uh, he actually made some of drones that were used for Olympics in England oh, for nice. some of the drone footage. Nice. That's cool. So he built some stuff for the military. Yeah, I couldn't build you anything. Yeah, that I couldn't build that. I Ooh, probably couldn't fly like with that. the shit either. Yeah, dude. Um, so he built some super, super dope stuff, dude, and a really, really good buddy, a good skydiver. And no, Jason, I still won't play video games with you because you're too whiny and needy. Um, I love you, Jason. How good of a skydiver is he? Uh, he didn't do, you know, more than 100, 200 jumps. Oh, so I'm better than him. All right. Uh, absolutely. And he did absolutely <laughs> well for his jump numbers, uh, but financially just wasn't fitting in his life. Moved back to England, had to recover from debt, uh, then got married, kids, everything else. Can't afford to do it now. But I can still skydive better than him, so. That's not holding a high standard to that, man. <laughs> so. Uh, so I, I'm not wearing my glasses tonight, so the screen over here that he's typing on and shit, I have to be like. I so can't even. Do, have we discussed the hurricane in depth? Are we done with the hurricane? Just said it's coming all over us very shortly. <laughs> so, um, if if I, I don't didn't know that your nickname was the Hurricane DJ. Oh, dude, yes, very. Oh, sure. it's coming! It's coming! <laughs> it's coming! Okay, <laughs> so <laughs> another topic that I know we're gonna move to, especially because Kieran McGuire chimed in about it. I want to save that for last. You yeah. want to save it? I want to save that. Well, I, I'm in on that. Okay. I want to actually kind of twist the topic a little bit and be momentarily selfish to start the conversation. Uh-oh. And I think you know where this might be going. And I want to talk about... Six inches. I was going to name this episode, if you didn't already have one, uh, people we've met and stories we've stole. And I, I say it that way because we've been we've had long careers in skydiving. And for me, yesterday was my 20th anniversary of my first jump. And uh, Nick, thank you for going with me. Hey, it was a lot of fun. Dude, I've actually celebrated my last two landmarks, 8,000 and uh, 20 years with you. Um, Which well, is funny because I, I very celebrated my last couple milestones with Nick Lott as well, doing two ways. You guys just like me because you know I'll bring a camera. Uh, well, you no, know, maybe we just like flying with I you, I actually Nick. specifically mm. invited you for the camera skills this time because I wanted pictures. And I'm actually putting my first jump picture and my 20th anniversary picture, nice. which I did a tandem on, uh, training Bla- uh, Blair, not Blair, Glenn. So I get Very two nice. first jumps side by side. Dude, I had to pull Glenn aside after that because I said, hey, man, I uh, 
was only paying attention to the fact that we were celebrating DJ's 20th anniversary. And uh, I didn't mention the fact that you flew that like a fucking boss. Dude, it felt just like flying with one of our current tandem instructors. Better than it some was, of them. It was great. Oh, yeah. He did a rocket. He, did really he well. rocked it. Yeah. I, watching the video. Good work, Glenn. Blair straight. Or Glenn. God damn, why don't come? Because <laughs> Blair was as good. Uh, well, Blair was as good. They remind me of each other quite a bit. Uh, Glenn, watching the video, and I am not rocking our tandem instructors. We have some very talented TIs at Spaceland, and this is how good Glenn is. Glenn is flying in free fall, smooth and as clean and as natural as about half of our current instructors. And again, not saying they're yeah, bad. Yeah, which says a lot because we he's got great instructors. He's, he's doing awesome. Um, his, you notice he immediately kept us in the sun? Yeah, he faced the sun. I, and I mean, sometimes with a new guy, it's just instinctive to face off with the videographer, and I was headed towards the sun, but it was almost like he was beating me there. It yeah. was good. It was great. How close was he to you? So I didn't pay attention to exactly where you were at on landing, but it appeared to me you didn't move tons. Uh, I didn't move a tremendous amount. I you mean, know how much I affected that pattern? How much? Zero. I had zero effect on the pattern, zero effect on the flare. If you actually watch, I'm fingertipping the toggles to see what he's doing. Uh-huh. And that was all him just right in tip? front of you. Just the tip, Just dude. for a second? That's all I have is the tip. Just to see how it feels? I can't offer any more. So uh, <laughs> one of the things... So that, hurricanes are really awesome. So one of the things that my 20th anniversary got me doing was remembering stories, reminiscing, thinking about what I've done. And an old friend, Ben Kincaid, used to work at Spaceland. I don't know yeah. if you remember him. Yeah, Ben's awesome. I like Ben. Yeah, super, super fucking phenomenal human being. Ben... And Harmony? Yeah, Ben and Harmony. Ben and Harmony, yeah. yeah. And uh, then my sister also both made ser- uh, similar suggestions about us tonight sharing stories, uh, some of our favorite stories in skydiving of, of our perspectives, whether it's things we've witnessed and watched or things we've been part of. And, Nick, you're technically the guest tonight, so I want to start with you. What is your some of your favorite memories, funniest stories? And I know you have a few, so what, what do you, a story you want to share that you think people will enjoy? That people will enjoy, all right. Fucked up or not? It's it's a little fucked up. Yes, it's this, that one. This is <laughs> all right. So, I I knew th- I I actually thought that you might ask me to to tell this story. So anyone who knows me knows that I'm not the the sort to party, right? So the, you're more the straight lace guy, which is yeah. shocking because looking at you you look like a guy that likes to party. You think I might like to party, but I totally do not. I'm the only one here not drinking tonight, which is us- that's usual for me. No, I'm good. Thank you. But you know, I never, I never drank. Like growing up, I never did drugs. I've never smoked a cigarette. You know, so it was never. It just that was just not part of my life. And so, uh, 2011, we went to uh, <laughs> we went to USPA Nationals. Uh, you probably know Ben Roan. Do you know him by now? Was this Team Friendship? Team Friendship. Team Friendship. Yeah, we competed at Nationals. Team yeah. Friendship. Uh, Jennifer's husband. We, yeah. Yeah. That guy. We had a real team name. He- Helios, I think, was our real name, but we competed as Team Friendship. It was me, Ben Roan, uh, Reese Wilson, and uh, my buddy Mike, Mike Chapman. And uh, our, our friend uh, Brett shot video for us. This but is back when Ben had like 12 jumps. Ben actually had 72 jumps. No, no, we no, he had a C license. He had a C license. <laughs> <laughs> we totally fudged a C license. No, right? no, no, you didn't. Never happened. But uh, This is all hearsay. You can say whatever you want. You have no evidence. So Fact. we we go to nationals and uh, this is how we met MX and Donna and uh, Mikey Knight is we were next to them on the airplane and so our you know when you see teams getting ready in competition how everyone puts their hand in the middle and it's this slow count and it's super serious we were fucking off the whole time like we were in the back of the plane we were singing and yelling and being super loud team friendship 
have you been on a low nationals competition load? No, I have not. That this is not the way you be. Just everyone's super serious, man. Everyone is having their game face on. Everybody, I've shot video for nationals, and I'm the guy in the plane being a little bit silly with another camera guy, but we're whispering, being silly, like, "Hey, watch." I mean, like, it, we cannot like fuck with people's <laughs> mojos. Yeah, we we were screaming. It was way over the top. So you're basically assholes at this point. Not on purpose. We I, were, honestly, we were just young kids having fun. I would have enjoyed it if and I were in the plane with you guys. Well, so our handshake was we would put our hands in the middle and we'd go one, two, three, friendship, and we'd all yell friendship, super loud, obnoxious. And so by the end, our so yes. by the end of the, uh, the last round at nationals, everybody on the airplane was doing it with us. <laughs> one, two, three, friendship. Yeah, the whole plane was doing one, two, three, friendship. Badass. It was, it was super fun. But MX. Uh, and uh, so it was MX Donna, Carly Ayers, and one other girl who now I don't remember, but they they were right next to us on the airplane. So this is how uh, Ben became better friends with them than I did. But uh, that's how we met him. Is just at nationals, being obnoxious kids having fun, and we we did okay. And uh, so the next year rolls around, and you know what the Lodi sequentials are? Yes, sir. So anyone who doesn't know Lodi sequentials, it's an inv- invite only event. Or it was. Uh, now it's kind of evolved into into something else. That's the Live Bigs event that happens at Spaceland now. But at the time, it was uh, a Lodi event that you uh, had to be invited. You had to be a, a, a pretty decent flyer to come and participate. And so, because we had met, uh, because we had met Mikey and MX. Have you noticed that I keep hitting myself in the face with this microphone? Uh, we met Mikey <laughs> and MX on the airplane. And they said, "Hey, you guys should come out. <laughs> you guys should come out for this event." And I was super nervous and intimidated by it. Like, I wasn't going to go. I, I remember you coming back from that event. Yeah, or actually, so I remember you prior to leaving for that yeah, event. Was very, you were very I nervous. I think we got the invite right before I moved here. And then I moved out here. And it was one of the first things I did with anyone here is Stephen and I went out there together. I didn't know Stephen at all. And uh, he was super kind to me, took super good care of me. and uh, As Stephen does. Yeah, of course. No surprise, right? So... We go, <laughs> we, uh, I had a few friends say, hey, man, you really should just come out and play. Because Ben was going, my other buddy Mike was going, uh, a few other friends uh, were going, a few other Utah friends. And I had just moved here, so it was like an excuse to go to California, an excuse to, uh, to see some friends from Utah. So I just decided to go. And I was super nervous. I was really scared. I knew that I was going to be one of the weakest flyers there. Um, I had, you know, this was the first year that I had really flown on my head, and the only reason that I could do it is because we spent so much time in the tunnel that year, and uh, and we had our training jumps, and we did nationals, and we we did uh, we did okay, uh, but so so I go right, and the first day or the first jump happens, and, and before this point, the biggest jump I had been on was like an eight way, and maybe maybe a ten way, like a one point ten way. And mm-hmm. the first jump at the Lodi Sequentials is like a 6.16 way or something like this <laughs> with these big moving pieces. And, dude, I was way, way out of my league. Everything they do with Lodi Sequentials or Live Bigs is super complex. Yeah, it's really complex. And there's like I hadn't been to a warm-up event or anything. It was just like, okay, you, this is what you're doing. We walked it. And, man, I, I mean, it was hard enough to just remember the dirt dive, let alone be able to, to fly it. And I did the we did the first jump and the first half of the jump I, I was doing like it was I was scared out of my fucking mind honestly it was one of the points was uh, an, a sixteen way accordion 
and I was on the very end of this accordion. So I'm looking over the heads of all of these people. And when you haven't been on a jump like that before, it feels huge, you know, looking over the heads of 15 other people and we're all on the same jump. Like it, it felt super big. And then the accordion breaks and we make these rounds and we're spinning the rounds. Then the, the rounds all come together into one big round at the end. And I was so like, I was so nervous. I was so rigid. Like I was having a hard time staying on my head, like flying on my head. I was going to cork because I was so stiff and so terrified. So I was, and I was actually docked on Steven. So I let go of Steven's hand for a second. And I remember just going, <sighs> I just, just took a breath and then nice. fl- flew back took, and took my grips, was in my slot for, for the end of the jump. And, uh, so the rest of the day was a lot like that. I mean, I think I got maybe a little more, a little more comfortable, but, uh, but it was still really nerve-wracking. So, uh, the end of the first day, everybody goes out to dinner, right? Yeah. And so, uh, all all these bigwigs, you know, they're people from Arizona Arsenal, you know, people who I had only ever heard their names, didn't, you know, hadn't ever met these people. Yeah. And so, uh, like I mentioned before, <laughs> I don't party, I don't drink, <laughs> I don't do drugs. All right. But do you know the story then? By no, the way? I'm 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 just waiting okay. with bated it breath. Gets, yeah. Okay. So. I had n- I had smoked. I'm m- hoping this ends up in a ditch with no pants it's on. Close. Waking up like where am I? So, I uh, I had maybe smoked marijuana two or three times in my life at this point. Because I, I do you, do you know what straight edge is? Do they have that where you guys? Grew yeah, up? dude. No, I grew up straight edge. My sister grew up straight edge. Okay, cool. So I don't know what that means. You're talking to a guy that doesn't smoke. Very okay, much, so, so straight edge. In Salt Lake City, straight edge is a thing. Like it's like uh, it's a bunch of kids, for lack of a better word, uh, a bunch of young men uh, who just don't drink, don't smoke, don't do drugs. It's uh, it's almost like uh, it's like a community kind of like skydiving, like play Monopoly. Like how's this? Work? No, it's mostly there. It's a, there's a lot of music involved. So like really loud hardcore classical, music. Yes, yeah. class, classical yeah. music was very is very serious. Nice, all of that. But uh, so it was just the, me and my friends. We didn't we didn't do drugs. We never did. I didn't ever expect to do drugs. It just wasn't uh, something that uh, I planned on having. You were in the my guys life. that were friendship team friendship. Yeah, but it was it was different. Anyway, I'm at the Lodi Sequentials. I'm super you know I'm super stressed out. And someone had brought some uh, pot cookies along. Some cookies. Some some special cookies. Some magical cookies. And I thought. You know, I'm out of town. I'm at this. This is my first real big event. This is the first time I've ever gone anywhere. First edibles, and first edibles. Oh God bless you. Yeah, I got a good. But I didn't know, dude. I did not get a good. I was not thoroughly briefed on the edible experience, right? So we're we're at the hotel room getting ready to go out to dinner, and I'm just munching on this this cookie, you know. And I have it was half probably of, delicious, probably chocolate chip. It, it was, was uh, like lemon poppy seed or Ooh, something. Even better, right up my alley. And no one told me to like, hey, stop. Hey, you're a small guy and you haven't done this before. You should take it easy. No one told me any of that. They were enjoying so, this. Yeah. I mean, because it's like, oh, Nick Lott, he doesn't he doesn't do he doesn't do this. What's going on? You know, I think it was more of a spectacle to be had for the people that were there, or, you know, for my few Utah friends who were there. And uh, so, yeah, that happens. And. I feel normal, and I'm like, yeah, whatever. I can do drugs. It's not a big deal. And so then we go out to dinner at this Mexican restaurant. And uh, as we're as we're walking up to the to the restaurant, I start to feel just a little bit different, and it's not a big deal. I was feeling fine. And then we sat down at this table, 
and you know everyone else from the group starts showing up and sitting down and then i'm looking at the menu at dinner and i realize that i cannot read <laughs> like i i, I forgot I, now this is a mexican restaurant but it's in english yeah it's in english i just didn't i couldn't keep my mind focused you enough say to word, see tacos. to see the words yeah so i like in a moment of total panic and I know that it was super obvious because of the looks on my friends' faces. <laughs> my buddy Ryan, who gave me this cookie, is sitting directly to my left, and I grab him by the arm. Like, <laughs> like imagine that you're on an airplane, and you just saw both of the wings fall off, and you look at the person next to you, and you grab them in a moment of panic. That's exactly my move. So I grabbed Ryan, and I said, you're going to have to take care of me. <laughs> like, in a super serious, like, this shit is going down kind of way. And so... Next thing you know, you woke up in a crib. No, I wish. With a, with a nubby. I wish. You had a nubby in your mouth. So I'm starting to have. Uh, <laughs> you keep yanking that thing. I'm out. starting to have this I'm too high panic moment. Uh, first, I'm like, first I'm too high panic moment. Yeah, I've never. This has never happened before. I've never gone through this. I didn't. I didn't know what this. I had no idea. It's totally, totally uncharted territory for me. And so I grab Brian. I'm like, hey, can we just go on a walk for a second? Like, I got to get my mind right. I'm feeling pretty crazy right now. So we just go for a walk around the parking lot. And I was like, dude, this is crazy. Why didn't anyone tell me that this was going to ruin my brains? And so we talk for a little bit. And then uh, we go back to dinner. And man, I was the I spent the whole time trying to think. Oh, oh, I didn't even tell you about ordering. So the waitress came around and she's asking for orders. And I have no fucking idea what I'm going to say. And so I'm just like, I just said, I just wanted a taco and an enchilada. Well, you're, just, you're trying to put the sentence together in yeah, your brain. Yeah, so she's getting closer to me and closer to me, and I'm getting more and more freaked out because <laughs> I know she's going to ask me a question, and I don't know if I can make words happen. <laughs> and then she, she looks at me, and she's like, what would you like? I was like, yeah, I want a, a taco and a chili relleno and an enchilada. And the moment the words came out of my mouth, I was like, fuck yes. yeah, I fucking like, nailed yes. that. Yes. Nobody <laughs> knows I'm high. <laughs> And, uh, but was this like one of those things in a movie where you picture in your brain, like, I just said that right, but flip screen to the real world, and you're Maybe. like, <laughs> could have been, I don't know. But I will never forget my, my uh, friend's wife, uh, who's also my friend, her name's Laura. Laura and Ben Roan are sitting right across from me, and I'll never forget the looks on their face when I looked up at them in my moment of panic, and they were like, oh, God, he's going to make this into an ordeal, isn't he? I just saw that look on their face. And then the rest, the rest of the night sitting there, I was like, uh, <laughs> just trying to think of questions like, what would be a good question to ask if I wasn't high right now? And just started to think of, of what would a normal person say right now? You know, that's all I could think. And the, the, my favorite, or the, the question I came up with that I was impressed with myself, Ben had still very few jumps at this time. And I was like, hey, Ben, you have the least number of jumps here. Who do you think has the next least? And then that started a conversation. I was like, yes, just took the, did the, it. I did took it. the attention off of me. I don't sound like I'm, I'm high. Everything's good. And then they were like, you and are then, the one with the least number of jumps. No, I oh, wasn't. Crap. I wasn't. <clears throat> but uh, then I, uh, I just couldn't wait to go home and go to sleep and feel normal, you know? So I tough it out through the rest of the evening at the restaurant, and people are hanging out, and... Uh, <laughs> TJ Langren was there, so I could tell that I wasn't the only person who was on another planet. <laughs> but uh, but the, the evening ended well. We went back to the hotel room, and uh, we were just watching YouTube videos, and it was the first time that I had felt sane all night because I was just waiting to not be around people because I 
I just had this crazy social anxiety of like, I'm high and everybody knows. And then, uh, you know, I, I had smoked weed a couple of times before this. And uh, that was always the reset button was going to sleep and waking back up and like, all right, at least that's over, you know? At least I don't have to deal with that anymore. <laughs> no one told me that edibles lasted for so long either. Oh, yeah. And so the next morning I wake up and... Uh, it gets better, apparently. <laughs> it does, too, by the way. The next morning I wake up and I'm like, thank, thank God that's over, man. Thank God I just get to feel normal. And I, you know, I started to get ready and I was feeling okay. And then uh, we go and get in the car to go back to the drop zone. And I don't know how to describe this feeling very well because I haven't had it very many times. But when I realize that I'm high, there's like this of like everything slows down and it's like hitting this little wall almost of like, oh, oh, yeah, this is different. And in the car, that hits me again of like, this is still happening. And like immediately again, my anxiety went through the roof. And then this is another day of these crazy jumps. These crazy, what to me at the time are crazy, difficult, complicated jumps. Yeah, but how much more and relaxed were you? I would have been if I could have remembered any of the dirt dives. <laughs> <laughs> so I felt I f like the anxiety, uh, the edge was gone, but about about what was actually happening about me being on these jumps because I, I did okay on the first day. Like I was in my slot every time and I didn't didn't sink out. I didn't go, you know, I didn't float. I didn't cork. I didn't do any of that stuff that, that you worry about on those jumps when you start doing them, you know? And, but no, dude, we would walk something super complicated and I'm like, okay, right hand to this guy, left hand to this guy. And I didn't know most of these people, you know? So in a group of, you know, when we were doing 20 ways and there are 10 people in black jumpsuits, it's like, okay, this black jumpsuit over there, that's a red helmet. I'm actually even more impressed now because I know how intimidating that must have been for you because we've all been there at one point in time. But to be in that intimidating spot and to be high. Oh, dude, it was <laughs> God so bless you, son. bad. And I, you know, I I don't think anyone should do drugs and skydive. Like if someone, I don't think anyone should get high and do anything where it involves anyone's uh, well-being other than yours. If you want to do drugs at home, like, that's all good. Do whatever you want. I just don't think that people should do it and... Uh, Jump out of planes. And I just don't think those two things fit together. It was a, an accident for me, and had I known what I was getting myself into, I probably would have made some uh, some different decisions. But... Uh, well, fortunately, you're, you were at Lodi, so... <laughs> yeah, so... So I was probably the, Doesn't count. the safest Doesn't person. Count. How was your plane ride up that morning? Because for me, that was one of my favorite stories, if I remember right. Well, yeah, the plane ride was odd because we get on the plane, and it all, and it all feels normal. And, you know, we take off, and I'm sitting next to Steven. And uh, so it was like I had a buddy there, you know. And, uh, we've been on the plane for a minute, and my dinner, uh, my thousand-foot beep goes off, and I reach to take off my seatbelt, and I noticed that no one else was reaching to take off their seatbelt. And I was like, oh, okay, it's just a place where they wait till 1,500. Cool. <laughs> and so I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I look at my altimeter, and it's 1,500. And I look over at Steven, and he's got the same confused look on his face that I do because he's having the same realization that we're realizing we're the only two people on the plane with seatbelts on. That we're not taking them off at the wrong time. No one else put them on. Yeah, no one put them on at all. Yeah, it was crazy, <laughs> dude. I was like, okay, well, oh, I yeah. guess it's that kind of party. Yes. And then the jumping at Lodi was really weird for me because it seems like the community there, like everybody is really, like the jumpers were all super connected and super involved in what was going on. Like when the, you know, the plane would load, everyone would yell, pass it three, pass it eight. 
uh, you know, the fun or the hop and pops have finished getting out. Everyone together yells, okay, the door comes closed. It's like everyone's like pretty on the same page, which to me would like kind of suggest a, a good safety minded culture. But then there are a lot of just basic safety things that they just didn't do. And so it's this weird balance of like, yeah, this feels like a good place, but man, it's kind of sketchy. Like just being at a place where it's a little notorious for plane crashes and nobody's putting on their seatbelts. It's yep. crazy. <clears throat> yeah. It's uh, they, they will not do a second pass. So they push people out so quickly that people are commonly uh, opening really close to each other. A buddy of mine uh, actually has been in a free fall canopy collision twice, both at Lodi. He is or was an instructor there. And I have one of the videos of him falling and pitching right into another canopy. And uh, I think it's happened to him three times total. Uh, but Lodi, you did, because they won't take a second pass. Go, 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 go. They push hard and they push fast to get out. Um, the, uh, 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 the, the no seatbelt. I did an AFF course there. And I told him, hey, this is a USPA course. You're getting a USPA rating. You must follow BSR through this course, including you must wear a seatbelt. And every single person in the course said, we would love to wear a seatbelt. We wish everybody would wear a seatbelt. We only don't wear it because we're told not to. And I told him, you, you don't, I don't think Bill tells him not to. I think he just doesn't encourage it. And if the community and culture there would change, it would change. Do you know if there's any reasoning behind why they don't wear a seatbelt? Like, is, is Bill have, I mean, Bill's a successful person. By, by most measures. Yep. And uh, he, you know, I didn't have much interaction with him, but he was uh, kind to a, a stranger when that stranger was me. Uh, so it's hard for me to personally say m many bad things about the guy. But mm -hmm. it seems like as crazy as he sounds from uh, the you know friends that I've had that have worked for him, that his insanity is usually rooted in some sort of logic. He's usually I got concur. some reason for it. Yeah. I spent a week with him and got to know him well enough, and, and I, I think everything you say is extremely valid. Uh, I mean, he's a kookball. Yeah, yeah. The, the first day I meet him, I meet him. The second day is the first morning. He walks by. Good morning, Bill. I know it is. And keeps walking. Erica Dufour looks at me and says, uh, I think you might know Erica and Rob. Uh, Rob Pooley, Erica Dufour. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Erica looks at me and goes, oh, yeah, he knows it's morning. Don't tell him good morning. Tomorrow, ask him how his day is. The next morning, he walks by me while I'm packing. How's your day? How's your morning going, Bill? I like you. You learn. And I just kept walking, dude. I mean, some of his social interactions are, are bizarre as fuck. Uh, dude, I like it. But it's weird that I like it. I like that he's, I mean, so there's a saying that I, uh, I may have even said this on the podcast before, but it's that uh, reasonable men adapt to the world unreasonable men adapt the world to themselves. <laughs> that's why all progress relies on unreasonable men. And that's the saying that goes through my head when I realize I'm being unreasonable or pushy with something that I expect from people at work. Yeah. It's like, well, fuck, if we're going to get better, someone's got to someone's got to be the, the asshole who's who's seems to be out of line and so it makes me feel better about being a dick sometimes. But uh You're I've, a very polite dick. So I have my moments where I where I handle myself and my feelings better than others but i think bill is someone who in my mind is someone who's done a good job of molding the his world around himself he will walk up he walked up to erica and i i mean you talk about molding the world to yourself he does this to people all the time i'm glad she warned me about it because we're talking face to face two three feet apart from each other and bill walks up to interrupt us to tell me something 
and he, we both face Bill, and and he looks straight at Erica and says, "Tell that guy this bit of information," and walks off and never looks at me. And I'm thinking, what the <laughs> fuck? I mean, I'm coming to teach a course here, Bill, when other examiners won't. So I I really think I'm coming here to do you a favor, and I think. I, I would have thought it was rude, but Erica had warned me. By the way, he's going to do this. It's just his awkward, quirky way. It's great, though. Like, it, it's yeah. obviously effective. You remembered. Yeah. You know? Well, I, I uh, had I actually not known ahead of time, I wouldn't have remembered. I would have remembered how weird it was and how rude he was. Uh. I wouldn't have taken the message. I would have looked at the delivery. Because I knew the methodology already, I just I laughed my ass off. I'm like... Holy shit, it really happened. Like, she warned me. I hadn't seen it. And when it happened, I'm like, that, that's... So, he he wears a wireless mic. He'll walk directly up behind somebody and be one foot behind him and page them right then and there. Nick, to the counter. <laughs> I mean, Nick, you're on a five-minute call. What I just... He, the things he does makes me laugh. It's awesome. I, I love yeah. it. But I'll also tell you, find a guy working harder. I... Uh, w- I, I took Saturday off on the course there, and I'm hustling, running to catch tandems. And there was one tandem who was landing short, just just got clear of the freeway and landed short on that fence line, and I'm running my ass off to catch this tandem. And I look over to see if I'm by myself or if I'm catching him with somebody else, and there's somebody else hustling right behind me, and I'm just kicking my stride in as fast as I can. I look over my shoulder, keeping stride with me was Bill Doss. And him and I were – we were – Sadly, I'm not that old. He's definitely much older than I am. But we were the two oldest guys on the field, catching tandems, and we're the two guys running. Bill will fucking hustle, man. You know that's why he's successful. Uh, their safety culture is something. So, you know they have a reputation, and if you've never been to Lodi, people uh, don't completely listen to the reputation. I will say it's earned. I will say the re- the reputation exists for a reason. But, uh, man, the people there, the community there is fucking phenomenal. I love the folks of Lodi. Absolutely love them. Ben, so, so Nick, the, what, I want you to finish that, that airplane story because in the airplane, and I, I got to remember this right, at some point you're freaking out in your head. At some point something's going on in your brain, and Stephen gave you some of the wisest words. And I oh, love shit. That. Okay, yeah. Yeah, all right. that's where I want so this to go. Again, Steve, Stephen and I weren't uh, super close yet. Because I was pretty new at Spaceland, and this is, uh, um, you know, our first time spending any real time together. And <laughs> he, but he knew me well enough to notice how nervous I was. That I was like, I just felt I was a little. Pr- I was playing with the big kids, and I didn't uh, really consider myself one of them. And so I don't know. You're gonna have to Google these lyrics when I finally get them out, because I can never remember who actually sings the song. I want to say that. Uh, Maybe it's like a Drake and Lil Wayne song or something. But um, Steven grabs me, and he looks me right in the eyes. And <laughs> he's like, yo, man, uh, you know, if you're ever drowning in the pussy, you can just swim to the ass. <laughs> and, and, man, that was the advice I needed to hear. Because obviously I, I laughed. At, Sweet at, Jesus. Yeah, that's is it a Drake song? Is that right? Yeah, Drake the motto. That's right. You drown in, uh, drown in the pussy, you swim in the ass. Oh, and so man. that that was mine and Steven's handshake for a, a short while. And still, we we will occasionally do it. That you know, if you're drowning, you plug your nose, drown in the pussy, you sw- swim to the ass. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna <laughs> paste this into the comments. But it's uh, worth it. it's a good song, and it's funny. Like when you listen to that song, those bits of lyrics, it just kind of sneaks in there. 
but uh, man, th- th- they will always stand out in my in my mind. So I've seen Sound you guys advice. swim in the airplane at one point, you and Steven. I've seen you guys do a handshake that involved that. Yeah, we're swimming to the ass, bro. That it all falls together. That's where you gotta now. go, dude. Skydiving handshakes are one of my favorite memories, and and people had asked us to share some memories. And as young jumpers, I don't think you realize this, but that high five you share. If I'm pissed at you, I'm mad at you, I've had a bad moment with you, I will still exchange that high five in the airplane with you, even if you don't want to talk to me. I would appreciate you do the same. And the only reason is I have two friends who my last memory was a handshake. I've had two friends die on loads that I was on with them. And the last time I saw Scott Bell was right before he left the airplane, and we did our little handshake, and we did our little thing. And he died on that skydive. Those handshakes, man, people make fun of them and people joke about them. They mean something. Those handshakes, bro. But my last memory of Scott Bell, and I mean, it fucking Scott Bell is a story that will always break my heart. I, man, it's the guy went in on a bag lock. He cut away too low. He was wearing a shirt untucked that was baggy. The shirt covered his handles. And all evidence points to the fact that Scott couldn't cut away because his shirt wasn't properly secured. So, I mean, right now, I'll tell my friends, you hear me harp regularly on tuck your fucking shirt in. You pull your shirt down and you rely on your rig to keep your shirt in place. And you hear somebody like me tell you, I don't recommend that. I really think you need to um, <laughs> I, th- I think you you need to tuck the shirt in and you'll notice in free fall. If I'm on a tandem front ride, I wear my shirt untucked, but I'm in a harness. I have no rig on me. Um, and your handles are in a pretty different spot. Yeah, I, I have no handles. I got to reach somebody else's handles. Um, oh, you mean when you're a front ride? Yeah, when I'm a front ride. Okay, yeah. okay. But other than that, and even on a tandem, you have a, a passenger in front of you holding your shirt down. But Scott's shirt, every bit of evidence shows that his shirt covered his handles. I've had my main handle covered by my T-shirt because I didn't tuck I it in. I have, too. It's pretty scary. Yeah. I've had a buddy die from his shirt covering his handle. So if you ever hear me, uh, Liz is very good at harping on people about shirts as well. And it's Liz has probably seen something really bad. I've lost a very good friend of mine to that accident. And uh, he was a San Diego Chargers fan. Matt Peterson, what's up, brother? Boom. Uh, that handshake, guys, do not forsake that handshake. Do not forget that handshake. Nick, tomorrow you and I are going to have at it. We're going to be pissed off at each other, and you'll look at me in the airplane, and I'll still give you squinty ears. I yeah, I would never deny someone, to, especially yeah. someone who I have a, a, you know, our handshake. I would, I would never. There have been people at the drop zone who I have had pretty serious uh, personal and professional qualms with, who I would still, you know, who I still did and continue to do that handshake with, even though if it's someone, you know, there honestly there is a. Uh, a particular person who I will do my best not to interact with this person because uh, I'm just not good at the way that this person interacts. Let's and call it, him Ben it, Nelson. We'll just say it's Schmen- Ben Nelson. Schmelson. But let's say I still <laughs> see Ben Nelson on the airplane. Schmen- Me and Ben Schmelson. Nelson are going to do the same handshake we've always done. Which involves butts. Which, which is... Uh, involves butts. I think it's part of its uh, respect thing of like, a, hey, we're about to go do something a little bit crazy and hey, we're kind of like... I don't want to steal like that we're like... I don't want to say that it's a brotherhood, but it's a little bit of a camaraderie that, that goes on between There's us still that, a family. That, that share the sport, right? <coughs> you know, and that, uh, and that shake you do, you know, it's fun watching it's fun watching the, the, the handshakes that people have because you don't know what caused them to come up with that handshake. There's a story, though. And there's a story. 
And so you see him do it, and, and part of the time I'm looking at it going, I wonder what that means. <laughs> and sometimes it's fun just to ask people, like, hey, where'd you get the handshake? And they tell you the story, and you're like, that's pretty fucking awesome. The, the only caveat that I want to add to the handshake conversation is there's an appropriate time to do it, and that appropriate time is usually between twelve and 14,000 feet when everybody's geared up, everybody's ready to go. They expire. If, if you're the person <laughs> that starts a handshake at 10,000 feet when people are trying to put their helmet on or do a, a gear check, and you think that you're... I think that safety and being ready for a skydive should still take precedence over getting in that Amen. high five. Yes, sir. And if you... I, I just... I have this personal moment of frustration where I've been sitting there for the last four minutes not doing anything between uh, when I finish the interview with a tandem student and when I'm going to start to gear up. And I have both my hands on my helmet and I start to put my head down into my helmet to start finagling this eight-pound mess onto my head. <laughs> and yeah, someone comes with a super demanding, like, give me a handshake right now. And it's like... Dude, I will give you a handshake, but like, can you not do it? Well, both of my hands are busy, and I'm trying to secure this mess of cameras on my head. Yeah, my hands are full. So uh, just be conscious. I mean, I think a lot in our sport, especially in the uh, in the airplane and in the sky, is just it boils down to simple awareness of yeah. just knowing that hey. You know, you know how excited you are to get out of the airplane and have your skydive, this thing that you're thinking about? Everybody on this plane is going to have that same experience for themselves. Even though your skydive feels very much about you and it feels like this whole plane is in the, in the sky just so you can get out and have your moment and do your thing, hey, we're all having that moment. We're all, we're all doing our own thing up there. And I'm trying to gear up and I'm trying to be ready and safe for this skydive. And you should do that same thing before you start broing down and trying to get into the cool guy handshake club. <laughs> so uh, if ever I snub you on a handshake, it's probably because my head is down tucked into my helmet and I'm trying to get ready or my hands are turning on my cameras or tightening my chin strap. Uh, I think that those things are... Or checking oh, your handles. Yeah, checking my pin, checking my handles. I think all those things need to come before a handshake. But you'll notice on almost every load that you're ever on, there's a load, especially here at Spaceland, on a, on a load where we're going to 14,000 feet. Between 12 grand and 14 grand, everybody's just sitting there waiting for the red light. That's the best time to do a handshake, in my opinion. Yeah. But if you're uh, incorporating your 10,000 foot, hey, can I get a pin check, which I absolutely think everybody should do, is get a pin check, that uh, that shouldn't be coupled with, hey, uh, I know you just did my gear check, but now I'm going to demand that you give me a high five instead of doing Where's your own gear jive, check. Brother? <laughs> yeah, it's I like, want my hand job, brother. I want my hand job. Hey, we're all trying to get there. Just take a, take a breath, take it easy, be aware that other people are having their very own experience of, of life and of skydiving at that moment. And uh, it's not all about you. Soapbox. Sorry. No, I, I completely Milk crate. agree. Milk crate. I, I have everything you say speaks to my heart because I'm very fanatical about my gear checks. Uh, gear fear is my number one uh, motivator in skydiving as far as I have confidence in so many things going on and I'm paying so much attention to what I'm doing that I am subject to failure. The friends around me are paying so much attention to what they're doing. They are subject to failure. But I can control the gear part. So I can check the gear over and over again and realize more than likely this will be successful. I can't control everything I react and do to, although I try to. Emotionally, it's harder. I can't control how you react and how stiff or upset or flailing or kicking or whatever unsafe thing you choose to do. But checking my gear, I can control. So uh, the gear fear is the thing I think I have the most because it's the thing I control the most. I think... 
for people who spend more time in the sport, I think, for me, uh, anyway, I absolutely went through a roller coaster with gear fear. That when I first started jumping, I was afraid of the gear because I didn't understand it. I didn't understand how all the parts worked. And so it was like there's this fear of the unknown. And then you get to 100 jumps, and you go through that 100 jump wonder phase of feeling invincible, you know. Mm -hmm. And then something scary happens, like you witness a fatality, or you have a close call in free fall, or a close call with a parachute opening, or something happens that makes it real again, that kind of refreshes those fears. And then I think with experience also comes the understanding of all of the different parts that can go wrong, mm -hmm. all of the tiny little parts that you should pay attention to, all of the the incident reports that you've read that was this this one little thing happened or this other little thing there's, happened. There's and certainly a difference between seeing something bad happen and knowing why it happened. Yeah, yeah. So when you're aware of why it happens and you want to pay attention to uh, doing all you can do to ensure that your gear is as safe as it can possibly be when you're getting out of that airplane, I think that is a super good mentality. And if anyone ever denies me a handshake because they're doing a handle check, I think they did the right thing. Here's the bottom line, guys. Number one, do a fucking handshake, even if you're mad at your friend. I have a buddy who I will not talk to because of his personal issues. I've gotten to the point where I've had to disconnect from him. It is the only healthy thing I can do emotionally for me and not to enable him. So I am absolutely, completely, 100% disassociated from this friend. If this friend showed up to the drop zone today to make a skydive, when that door light comes on or, or when we're getting close to that time, he will get 100% of the handshake I will give him, and I will give it to him with a love. Uh, give those handshakes up, but do it at the right time. I think uh, the, you, you hit the nail on the head. Past 12,000 feet. We do our check gear checks 9, 10, 11,000 feet, depending who you are. And I'm not saying, hey, wait for 12,000 feet and then stick your hand out. Like I'm just saying be, be aware of <laughs> what's going the on around the road. you. Yeah, like look look around. Use your eyeballs first and just, just see what's going on with people before you stick your hand out and demand a handshake. Now, from here on out, every time I see Nick putting his helmet on, I'm going to offer a high you know, five. And I know that people are going to do that. There's two things that are really, going to happen now. really bothers me that I'm saying this publicly, <laughs> like that people will hear this. And, it's and happening. Everybody who sees you put your helmet on will give you a high five, and at twelve grand, everybody in the plane's gonna high five <laughs> yeah, you. But this Those this two. happens more and more as people listen to this podcast. That people will bring up part of the conversation <laughs> that I, that we've had a month before. Yeah, because they just listened to it and it's fresh in their brain. And it's like I I really don't remember what was said. I know I know you listened to this like this morning, but I I don't I don't know. It's a month that's, old conversation that's, for that's us. That's one part, and then the other part is when I make a joke or something or say something like a like this story now. The uh, it's something that someone could easily bring up, you know. Yeah, and it's like. It's almost weird that they know, like, I know that this is going out to whoever chooses to listen to it, but it's still weird that it's only the three of us in this room having the conversation and that someone who isn't here yeah. might also be a, a part, you know, <laughs> so a receiving part of the conversation and then bring that up to me at a later point. It's very, it's very weird. Have you heard from DQ recently and his weird interaction with you? Uh, DQ's cruising onto the drop zone. Uh, the other day, oh, yeah, he did tell he's me on headphones listening to the oh, podcast. Oh yes, <laughs> he told and me that. And then he's listening to Nick talk as Nick walks by the front of. Him. <laughs> he said it freaked him out totally. He's like, "Oh, dude, that totally yeah. that totally freaked me out." Like I was listening to Nick talk on the podcast while he was walking by. So you haven't listened to the podcast yet, if I remember. I, I have never listened to a full episode. I, I so watched a little bit now? of of uh, when Hank was on, uh -huh. just because uh, Sam and I had just gotten back from Mexico, I think. Mexico. And so I was in the car. And it was only I was only getting it like intermittently in the car, 
but I listened to a little bit of it. And then uh, John Barry, I think, reposted his episode a couple of days after he was on. Yeah. And I pressed play and listened to the first, you know, 30 seconds, maybe just, just to see what the, the audio levels and audio quality was like. And that actually inspired me to, to knock the levels down just a little bit on the soundboard over there. Awesome. I want to bring it back about three uh, three to four decibels. Yeah, it's hitting a little hard in there, right? Yes. Yeah. So that's one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is we're driving to about zero on peaks on Audacity. Mm-hmm. And I want to drive to about a negative five peak. That's that's a goal I'd like to do. Doing it. I can fix it and normalize it at the end. But I've just started least. So the thing I'll challenge you to do is. But that uh, even on Facebook Live, though. We should keep it because we're not—they're not getting a normalized version, right? No, yes. Should we, let's have technical conversations after. Yes, but you are 100 percent correct. Let's 100%. fix it for everybody. Um, so go back and do what I've done recently. Is I've downloaded a couple old episodes. Matthew Peterson was one of them. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck are you saying over there? Ben is repeating everything re- we're saying. <laughs> I'm repeating very clearly. Oh, okay. <laughs> he, he is a whisper echo. <laughs> Hang on. Just because just because you're playing the game that they play in the movie Super Troopers, have you? Do you know they're trying to make a Super Troopers too? No, it's, I heard it's, it's official. Made. Yeah, it's made. made. They're just okay. editing it now. Because I yeah. I saw like they're they were trying to do a crowdfunding campaign <laughs> yes. and they let a little. They're on a right out. meow. <laughs> but I saw the the trailer for their crowdfunding campaign. I thought it was amazing. Dude, I'm so happy. <laughs> there he goes again. Um, so I've downloaded Sorry. a couple, and I cl- I just start in the middle of the podcast. Like I just fast forward to the very middle, okay. and I'll listen on the drive home or the drive to work. I've listened to about three different episodes that way, just three different times, and it's weird listening to it a month to two months later. So you won't mind listening to yourself as much when the conversation is stale in your brain. It's hard for me to listen to these the week, two, three weeks after. Oh, yeah, because you just had it, and so you remember it well. Yeah. yeah. I have that same uh, same experience when I watch a video that I've yes, edited. Yes, you get it. Yeah, so like if there's a video that I just made and I just finished, it's hard for me to view it uh, objectively because I still remember all the parts, of, like the clip, the footage that I chose to use. I still remember everything before and after it and why I picked it, and, and I see it's like... It's like looking into the matrix, you know? Like I yeah. see I see the whole matrix right after I've edited a video. But when it's yeah. been a little while, yeah, I kind of give it some space. Yeah, let it let it marinate, let it uh, be a little bit separate from my brain and then come back to it and then I get a lot better look. Oh, man, I really like this part. Oh, you know, I probably today I would do this part different. It's that's that's what I get out of listening to the podcast post post show. Uh, and, and again, weeks later, month later, two months later, and it's it's been fun. So check them out. I'm gonna take a, just a quick moment, a quick breather, a quick break. Uh, <sighs> oh yeah, baby! When you breathe like that, I think of old like '80s, early '90s R and B. girl, come back to me, girl. Valerie, are you here, girl? Oh, I need you, girl. So, a, I thought I was black through most of high school. Um, You're not. I wore a gold nugget Mercedes Benz ring through portions of high school. I'm not <laughs> no, I that only, makes me like you even more. I what only are you talking laugh about? because my best friend in Utah, Chase, <laughs> the, the kid who owns the gym, yeah. my buddy. So I bet right now, this very moment, he has a gold pinky ring on and at least two gold chains around his neck. And he's probably listening to Lil Wayne. Dude, so my best friend was this kid named Eric Clayton. Super, uh, we're still best friends to this day. He is my homie. I love this boy. Uh, our father were both Marines, and they were both coming back from, Af- uh, not Afghanistan, Iraq at the same time in the 90s. And so we're in the Marine Corps, uh, Conway Marine Corps Air Station. We're in the hangar where all the Marines are coming back, and all the news channels are there 
videoing the families meeting their dads again. And Eric and I are in the fucking, like, we keep finding where the cameras are. We dress specifically, like, we wanted to look good for the cameras. And everywhere you see us behind the background, we're doing this. God bless him. God bless him. Jeez. Straight thugging. If you better watch out. If you're not watching, DJ's packing <laughs> some magic tricks in his back pocket. If you're not watching, probably, man, there was probably a car well, trick involved. You know, like if you see the gangsters hugging themselves, <laughs> dude. dude, straight hugging, straight thugging, son. That's what you do. Oh my god, dude! I remember going to Fubu uh, stores and shopping. Jesus, with you my didn't. Butt. Oh, nice. How dare you? I oh never bought anything because I couldn't Shame get that far. On you, DJ. But I would actually go in with my buddy shopping. Yeah, but let's be honest. To be fair, in the nineties, that was the yeah. shit. Nineties kind of. It was like any dude. Dude, I it's fucking 80. love Jinkos. Did you have any Jinkos? No, oh, I, dude. I'm I from Alaska. We didn't this. have shit. Well, I had really big pants that were the same circumference as my shoes at the bottom. It was. Great. Oh my god! Yes. Yeah. Dude, high school for me was 88 through 92. So it's late 80s, early 90s. and 88? 88, yeah. I was two. Fuck you. <laughs> uh, and uh, Eric, I met Eric, and I went to high school with different people than Eric. And so I hung out with him and his boys. And it was a bunch of black dudes, and they nicknamed themselves the Perv Posse. They would straight up run up to girls and freak on them as a group and justify it. Gotta be careful. All black dudes. Freak on them means something different nowadays. A Mexican dude, and the Mexican dude... They, his name, not straight up. I don't even know his name. We hung out together for three years. Was Taco. What? Close enough, Ben. Was Taco. We called Taco Taco. I don't know his name. Dude, I, I mean, named my dog Queso. I can remember Crawfee. Kind of I can remember fucking, uh, oh my God, I can't even think of his name right now. I live next door to Eric. When you guys would get upset at each other, would you fight? Or would you just talk about it? <laughs> uh, dude, I actually, there was never any real heat between this crew. <laughs> I love the fact that you said that and then you looked over at me for like some sort of reassurance. <laughs> yeah, like, no, that was really funny, funny right, Ben? Mostly, yes, mostly that was looking for disappointment. <laughs> yeah. That's how you know you've, you've made a good pun, which I absolutely stole that pun from somewhere else. But if you can get a disappointed like like the head shake like the like oh dear oh, god god Jesus. Jesus yeah that little bit of a cringe <laughs> oh that's why I do it yeah I think we're gonna have to finish the uh, favorite skydiving stories what I think uh, oh. something that I have not told the world that I think I've told both of you guys one of my new goals is to do the three stooges is what I refer to this version of Ben. Uh, and, and guys and gals, if you don't know officially, I do think of uh, Gravity Lab Radio as three people. Nick and I are really the mainstays. Uh, I'm the primary host. Nick's uh, the producer slash co-host kind of guy. I'm the redheaded stepchild. Ben is, yeah, but officially I really do think as Ben is part of the crew. He's from the beginning definitely owned the brand. He definitely helped push and promote it. And he's been a cool part of it, and I like the interactions. So every about month, month and a half, we'll do this threesome again. And Nick, I Ooh. like your call. We call this a threesome. Threesome, the threesome. Yeah. It's most action I've got in a while. I like your call. The musical chairs. Let's like just mix Let's up how it. we do it. You want to switch them right now? Um, yeah, dude, that's a Chinese fire drill. But why do you got to look at me Japanese. when I say that? It's Japanese. So it's I th- a little racist. So one thing I learned listening to a, a buddy's podcast. You've mentioned it more than once. One second of dead air. People think your podcast is dead. Yeah, it sounds super crazy. It, when it, it just, even even just one full second, it's like, oh fuck, what are we doing? 
Yeah, it's creepy, and I've actually listened to podcasts that have one full, two full seconds of dead air. So we can't really do the Mexican fire drill without at least one of us on mic at any given time. I mean, hold on. Uh, We don't necessarily have to switch headphones, do we? No, but the mic part, if we move away from mics, we're What if we come together like this scene in Lady Uh, and the Tramp? What about this? (laughs) Oh, yeah, we're just going to do a mic transfer. So now I just switched ears, and uh, uh, (laughs) Jesus Christ. Wow, this is happening. That was that was pretty smooth. I'm, it gonna, wasn't bad. I'm gonna switch over here to oh, me for this? a second, so no one will ever see that. And then now, oh look, we're back here. And so wow. what's weird is I actually have. Oh my god, it's weird over here. Weird. Do you notice the switch in your head? Uh, gosh, I, I am in my other ear now. Yeah. So uh, people who listen to this, if you if you've never paid attention, we actually have the audio balanced to where I've always been stronger in your left ear. The guest has always been stronger in your right ear, and the producer chair, normally Nick tonight, Ben, is balanced between both ears. Naked. So <laughs> naked. And he's also naked. I do. It's weird because I see your bare feet, and it looks like you might be naked. It does actually. Yep, no pants. Uh, oh, not no pants still. No hmm. pants. No pants, Ben. Uh, I want to do this one again so we can finish our some of our favorite stories, uh, people we've met and stories we stole. Um, we've met a lot of super cool, fun people. I've got a really recent and terrible and embarrassing story. Let's bring it. We're still here. Embarrassing uh, for who? You? Yeah, how I look like an asshole in the story. This is a tell it. fucking weird angle of this room. Is it? I've I feel ne- super normal Do you need still. to switch back? So, dude, even like I have friends who will come over and hang out and visit with me. Just like come out and play video games or do whatever. But a lot of my friends like, I want to see where you shoot the podcast. And they'll want to come in here and we'll actually sit here and shoot the shit. And by default, they want to sit in this chair. The guest guest chair. chair. That makes sense. So I don't know if I've ever sat in this angle and had I, a conversation. I feel like you need a crotch pillow. Uh, he's sitting on, yeah. Oh, you your awkward bone my, my lower back support. Dude, that there chair is so uncomfortable. Yeah, it's really bad. Yeah. I'm putting it back. You don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, but so you've mentioned I'm fidgety in that chair. I've mentioned it, and you said I just thought it was your fidgety. How how comfortable is that chair? I mean, I could get used to it. It sucks, dude. I hate that chair. Um. What's your recent awkward boner story? Yeah, okay. I want to hear the awkward boner story. So this, uh, anyone who knows me well knows that my dad passed away a couple years ago. Oh, this is a terrible story. It's a I know terrible, exactly where going. terrible story. I'm such a fucking asshole. Okay, so I'm just going <laughs> to prep anyone who hears the story. I'm a monster. I'm a son of a bitch. I'm inconsiderate. And I'm rude. All of those things. So one of my most favorite things to do is uh, make dead dad jokes. And uh, it started a couple years ago. Braden Smith and I were actually driving to uh, to Austin. He was working for the IBA at the time, and I was just starting to do some work for iFly. And he was telling a story and said something, yada, yada, cancer. <clears throat> cancer, excuse me. And w- when someone mentions cancer, my first thought is my dad. Always, it just, there's nothing I can do about it. It just pops in. My dad died of cancer. Someone says cancer. I think of my dad. It's just how it goes. And so... Braden said, yada, yada, cancer. And then two minutes goes by, maybe probably less than that. And he's like, hey, I just want to ask you, like, when I said cancer a minute ago, did you think about your dad? And I was like, yeah, man, totally. He's like, is that uncomfortable for you? Like, he was just really having a real conversation with me, which I I liked. I really like when someone can have an awkward conversation. But uh, I said, yeah, I I think about it. Uh, And uh, he's like, "Uh, okay. And I was like... Uh, yeah, my dad's dead. You want to like talk about that too? Like, I, and said it in a way that I said it just to make him uncomfortable. And his reaction was really funny to me. That like 
you know, it's it's okay for us to both think that my about my dad being dead, and but to to mention it, then it changes the whole dynamic of of the conversation, you know. And so this was something that I found really funny, that uh, I would just like to create this really awkward moment because like. My dad dying, as painful of an experience as it was, it was really beneficial for me as a, as a person, like personal growth, and like being able to be kind of the rock for my family, and being able to, uh, you know, speak at my dad's funeral in a way that you know that I know he would have been proud of. Like they were as difficult of a situation as it was, there were absolutely good things that that came out of it. So mm-hmm. I'm super comfortable with the whole the whole thing. Like I don't, I'm I'm okay to talk about it in, in any respect, and so. It doesn't bother me when I bring it up, but it's really funny when some to to make it uncomfortable around other people. Like, let's say uh, uh, <laughs> on this this last Father's Day, the people in the video room are talking about, "Oh yeah, did you uh, did you call your dad?" And I said, "Yeah, I called my dad. It turns out he's still dead." <laughs> and and then I just pause and wait for this awkward silence <laughs> because like because you're an asshole. Because no, because I guess that's part of it, but. <laughs> Also, the other part is it's just super funny to me and entertaining that that that, that awkwardness is even possible, you know? I, I enjoy it. And then Stephen, uh, me, Stephen, and Braden went to see Joey Diaz live at, uh, at the Improv here a couple years back. And this guy made so his this guy's grandpa had just really recently passed away. And he was making hilarious dead grandpa jokes. And it made me, f- it made me feel like, okay, like maybe this is an okay thing to do. Like maybe, maybe I can... Uh, Maybe I can be all right with, with this as my <laughs> as my humorous outlet for the whole thing, you know. Because you know, of course, you're still going to have feelings about it, and humor helps people deal with emotions that you know you, you might not be able to process otherwise. So we've established that there's humor involved here. For me, but th- I gotta hear where this is going. Okay, because so this is so funny. Yeah, we because were, it started as a different uh, story. Set. It's fucking terrible. Uh, it's the worst I've felt about anything in a really long time, the end of this story. Uh, again, just starting to d- defend myself because I'm a monster. But Critter, <laughs> Critter was on the podcast the other day, right? Yeah. And Critter's dad passed away a couple years ago as well. And he mentioned it while, while we were on the podcast. And it was all I could do to not make a dead dad joke. Because I was like, ah, he's the guest. Like, I'm not going to make this moment about me right now. You know? So I, so I held it in. So a uh, couple weeks pass, and I'm on the plane. Uh, with uh, with Hank, and Hank's mom passed away, and Hank makes jokes about his mom passing away. His his favorite joke is, you know, I uh, I hope I go peacefully in my sleep like my mom did, not like the other three people in the car who died screaming. That's that's the joke that he makes, right? Yeah. So I, Hank and I, we we've shared this joke before, and so uh, I bring it up to Hank. We're, we're just we're in the airplane, you know. There there uh, there aren't many tandems on board. It's mostly fun jumpers. We're just we're just jaw jacking, you know, and uh, being, being normal skydivers. Just being skydivers, and I don't, uh, I don't remember how jokes got brought up, but I mentioned uh, Critter on the podcast and the and the dead dad joke thing, and uh, I hadn't really said anything super inappropriate other than I liked to make uh, jokes about my dead dad, and then, uh, fuck. Uh, Hank says, uh, hey, can I introduce you to Jared? And uh, Hank should have told okay. me to shut up right now. Yeah. Is what a friend would have done. Yeah. But I was like, hey, Jared, my dad's dead, yada, yada, yada. And um, 
And then uh, wow. I said, uh, is your dad dead too? And he said, yep. I said, oh, <laughs> cool, you're in the club. Like, still, still, I had no idea where this was wow. going. I you know? actually didn't know this conversation took place. It's even worse than it's I It's worse than you thought, <laughs> yeah. So, oh, uh, my God, Nick. But, I, you know, my dad, uh, I have ashes of my dad that live in my container. I ju- every jump I make, really? my dad's on the jump. Right, that's badass, dude. But I didn't. I have respect. I, but where where do you keep those? Uh, just under my mud flap, a little, nice. little tube of them. Nice, dude. But, I uh, love that man. So, <laughs> with my monstrous joking aside, I really do love and miss my dad. Like it's just a it's just a way for me to deal with it. Yeah. So, uh, I think I mentioned this, and Hank said uh, said something to the tune of, "Yeah, we're uh, doing an ash dive." for Jared's dad tomorrow. And I said, oh, awesome. I did an ash dive for my dad, uh, you know, like a week after his funeral. It was one of the last things I did in Utah before I moved back here to Texas. And, you know, one of the big regrets I had with my dad is I never got him to jump. He would never make a skydive. He was just, uh, I, I mean, I don't know what he would say about why he didn't. It just, to me, seemed like he was afraid and didn't have a strong enough desire to do it. So so he never did it. And uh, that was a... Uh, a big thing for me to be able to take my dad on a skydive, to take him on his ash dive. And, uh, and then I, and I asked him how long ago his dad passed. And he was like, Oh, six or seven weeks ago. And I said, Oh dude, I'm sorry. Like I, uh, uh, that's like, you're probably way too fresh on the path to, to deal with humor. I, I'm sorry. I, I had no idea. And he's like, uh, he's like, no, it's, it's fine. You, you didn't know. And then I said, uh, did your dad ever make a skydive? And he said, uh, yeah, my dad's Randy Shell. He died skydiving six weeks ago. And, dude, my I fell apart in the airplane. Like, sure. I felt like a th- dude, I had totally overstepped my bounds. I mean, in, m- in my defense, I, I didn't know. I really didn't. And I just thought I was making a joke with my buddy Hank because we both make dead parent jokes. And I, I all, I, you know, part of me wishes Hank would have kept me from shoving my foot in my mouth. But, uh, we do the jump. I land. I feel awful, and uh, I ask Hank, like, "Dude, like, why didn't you stop?" Like, I almost pulled my shoe off. Like, I was thinking about pulling my shoe off under canopy and landing with it in my mouth, just to illustrate my point <laughs> to Hank of how I of how I felt. But he's like, "Dude, I'm sorry. I should have I should have said something." So Jared Lance, he comes in, and he he gave me a big hug and was like, "Dude, I like I know how I know that you feel like you just did something bad." He's like, "You didn't know." He's he's a super good dude, super cool dude, phenomenal human being. And uh, I said, hey, you know, I feel really bad. Uh, I know that you're doing that ass jump tomorrow, and I'm gonna come with you guys, and I'm gonna get some pictures for you. And uh, the and that that all happened. The skydive was absolutely crazy. Uh, Jack came out with us with the ashes. Jack it's Burke. A, Jack Burke. Yeah, and, and he is a big fella, and he was sinking out from the from the very get go. We got 15 grand. We get out at 15 grand. Jack is sinking out by 14 grand. And uh, Colin Rhodes does the craziest superhero move where he goes down, docks on Jack, like compressed accordion, floats Jack back up. It's pretty awesome. It, the, the video is pretty great. And they get, they get it together. And the plan was that they were going to get it together soon, fly it through the whole jump, and at 6,000 feet, they were going to deploy the ashes. And we get it together at... So we got out at 15. It gets back together at 7. And it's just enough time for him to to get his hand on the 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 
uh, I guess it's almost like a ripcord on the on the ashes, yeah. and to to open the ashes, and I got a really great photo of it that I'm that I'm super happy that it, I mean that the video of it's awesome too because you I'm on my belly right next to it, and I transition to my back as the ash goes up. It's a, it's nice. a really great shot, and uh, so I feel a little bit like I got to redeem myself with uh, with doing that. Because uh, it's so a really good shot. It's a it's a really nice shot. But uh, the vi- the video is better, I think, and I don't know. Oh, I think Jared actually did post that video, which also makes me feel good that he uh, he shared that video. But uh, we got down on the ground, and I never walk out to the student area, ever. And I, I walked out uh, to to greet to that is a phenomenal shot. Sorry, no, it's a great picture. It's awesome. But I went out to to say hey to him. And I still had my camera rolling, and I was gonna you know get a little uh, bit of, of footage and. Stephen pulls up on the four wheeler because it was pretty far out. It was over by the dirty pond, and th- he had a bunch of friends and family who were there to to watch the ash dive. And uh, <laughs> the moment that we're close enough to talk, Stephen's there on the four wheeler. I had turned down Stephen for a ride, and he came and asked uh, Jared if he wanted to ride, and Jared said no. And then Jared points at me and says, "Hey, I need your best dad, your best dead dad joke right now." <laughs> I was like. <laughs> Just totally. I mean, I couldn't say anything because yeah. I mean, it, dude, it was emotional for me to be on the jump. It was emotional for me to, uh, to to be a part of it at all. Uh, and you know, just like every jump, my my dad's ashes were in my mud flap, and I remembered my dad's ash ash dive, and it was just you know, my my dad gave hugs in a certain way, where. He would just give you a real hug. Like, he would just mm-hmm. give you a real... Not like... You know, sometimes you have an interaction with a person, he would just give you a pat, you know, or just... You don't have a full, like, a serious embrace with somebody. And uh, I walked up to Jared, and I put my arms around him, and we had that real hug. An embrace. Like that real, that right real word, squeeze. Yeah. Like, that real, like, hey, like, I know we're both feeling emotions right now. Let's just squeeze it out for a second. And it's, it's the best hug I've gotten in as, yeah. as long as I can remember. And... I don't think I would have gotten that hug and had this connection with with this guy uh, if I hadn't totally overstepped my bound and make, wow. made a fool out of myself. So it's hard for me to totally regret it. But uh, again, I will probably be a little more conscious about uh, who I say what in front of in in the future, because if you know if I had said that in front of the wrong person, yeah. they could have gone a totally different direction with it. But luckily, he was super understanding, knew I meant meant no harm, just sky. I mean. If his dad was a skydiver for as long as he was, he's probably used to being around some people with some some terrible humor. But Jared grew up on drop zones. He spent since he was four years old on DZs. I don't think you stuck your foot in your mouth, and I don't think he he Hank spoke up because subconsciously Hank realized I I met Jared, and when I met Jared, I met Jared with the intent to find out who is Jared because I knew Jared was learning to skydive. I knew his father. I didn't know his father extremely well, but I knew him well enough that I wanted to come greet his son and say, welcome to our sport, welcome to our family, and I'm sorry for your loss. And in meeting him, I I very quickly realized he's a very unique individual. He's very at peace with his father's passing, is is at peace as you could be with as fresh as it is. And I don't think, A, you stuck your foot in your mouth as much as you feel like you did because perception is a huge part of life. Um, I, I think you and I were talking about this recently. Uh, no, actually, it wasn't you and I. Uh, Jeremy Brown, the guy I want to have on the podcast, they talked about an experiment that happened that people were in front of a two-way mirror. And they were told, here's a mirror. They weren't told it was a two-way mirror. Here's a mirror. 
I want you to stand in front of this mirror and I wanted you to describe the person you see. And they would sit there and they would actually describe themselves in, in, in various ways. At the same exact time, they put somebody else on the other side of a two-way mirror and said, there's a person on the other side of this mirror. I want you to describe who you see. They're talking to the mirror. And the description that each person gave was extremely different, very polarizing, very opposite in many cases, where a guy would look at there and go like, oh, my gosh, look at all my frown lines and my crow's feet and look at how yellow my teeth is or look how bad or whatever. And the, and the person on the side of the mirror is going like, oh, my gosh, they have a brilliant smile or, oh, my gosh, look at the shine in their eyes or that looks like a happy person. Something that, that I've spoke with about a friend of, of ours and, and some of the uh, guy I've dealt with is a guy named Andrew Haverty. He's a nice enough young fella, and the thing I hear him say regularly is, I don't mean, I don't mean, and, and I understand you don't mean, but what my intent is means nothing, and what people's perception is means everything. And that, that the long story, the long gist of it is, is I felt the same way as, as Andrew does. You should understand what I mean. Fuck my delivery. You, you need to understand it. And I don't think you stepped any boundaries, not because your intent or any bad damage, but Jared's perception of life is is such a unique one. Um, you also bring in the idea of, of happiness, man. It, it's something that I want to share at some point. Um, manufacturing happiness is what I can search to find this video. Oh, that TED Talk. What's the name of it? Do you remember? Oh, gosh. I'm going to pull it up in my YouTube history. Because I actually was surprised when I saw what the real uh, description of the video was. I was surprised that it was so different than what I had uh, told, told you to search. But it's uh, The Surprising Science of Happiness. Yep, that's right. Dan, Dan Gilbert. Dan Gilbert. Uh, but I actually, you told me to Google manufacturing happiness, and I did. And the first thing I came up with was that video. Uh, I mean, folks, you need to watch this video. Uh, when you watch this video, this TED Talk, uh, listen to it. You don't have to watch it. Listen to it, but but really watch it because there's some uh, graphical information that's just helpful to make the point. Uh, watch it when you have the time to focus on the video because if you just listen to it, but like I would listen to this podcast externally. I would It would be background noise in my life is what we do. Where I occasionally focus on what we're talking about. Joe Rogan's the same for me. But the occasional guest I'm super focused on listening to, listen to this TED Talk by Dan Gilbert. And, and something you mentioned is through the adversity of your father, through the adversity Jared has had, you guys, and through the adversity of your initial confrontation. And confrontation is not a bad word. That's just when we meet each other. There was some conflict. Well, I don't know if he felt the conflict. I definitely had some internal conflict going when I... But when a bigger I, joy came out of it. That's that's true. I do... I. I uh, am grateful that the moment uh, developed the way that it did. Yeah. And and so so often we focus on the idea of I had this negative interaction and now I'm not, I'm going to let this negative feeling overwhelm me and now I'm going to own this negative process and all of a sudden woe is me the life is sh or, or the world is shit and life is is horrible or understand it was just a process you went through and move forward. And one of the things I got out of Dan Gilbert is it's through our adversities, through our trials, through accepting that this is something that happened and I can be happy through this it is where we find those real happinesses, whether it's, you know, you've watched the video. Um, you, you explained it really well to me. Uh, uh, um, but th those are two of the biggest things I, br I bring out. Um, stories we've shared. I want you to look on uh, Mr. Mini P. 
Mr. P, you're Mr. P. For the record, I just shared that uh, TED Talk on the comment section. Perfect, Word. man. And I'm actually going to share it as a actual just normal topic for the or Gravity Lab at some point and uh, the Rating Center. Uh, ben, if you actually go onto the ratingscenter.com, my website, and go to the gallery, there's a video of Dennis Anderson's ash dive. And if you'd share Dennis's yeah. ash dive, that's I'm not a great gonna, ash dive. I'm not going to share the story tonight outside of saying Dennis Anderson was one of the greatest human beings I've ever known. And his ash dive was actually one of the most complex ash dives I've ever seen and I got to be part of. Uh, if you'll share that link, and next time we do this threesome, the Three Stooges, I'll share the story of Dennis's ash dive yeah. and a little bit of Dennis's history in life. Dude, that is a decent-looking website, man. I'm so happy with the Rocking people who it, I see it. Oh, there it is right there. Yeah, yeah. So get a link to that and uh, yeah, share it if you don't mind. Doing it right now. Um, the last thing we're going to talk about is let's go back to Kieran's topic, and then we'll wrap the night up here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, the Mayweather fight. Mayweather Dude. McGregor, it's going down uh, on Saturday. I'm sorry if you were to ask Kieran, it's the McGregor fight, not the Mayweather. It's yeah, actually I mean, the it's, King it's McGregor it's, fight. It's, I would say it's both. And you know what I've noticed? It's pretty interesting on YouTube. Is if you like, <laughs> there are some, there are plenty of uh, people making videos from the standpoint as it's the Mayweather fight. Plenty of people making uh, the 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 case that it's the McGregor fight. Sure, but if you. I, I was I searched the other day and may, maybe I, I guess it could just be that there's been enough time that's that's passed by that there's so much new media. But the other day I searched McGregor Mayweather and then today I searched Mayweather McGregor and got a whole different uh, set of results. It's crazy and and really it's uh, McGregor Promotions is putting it on. Is it okay? Showtime okay. is the company that's airing it and and holds the majority rights to airtime. And, and and of course UFC is also involved. So UFC streaming it on Fight Pass as a pay per view, so you can buy it that way, or you can get it through a, a cable pay per view subscription. And UFC is doing their so you you've seen UFC embedded. Uh, we've talked yep. about mm-hmm. UFC is actually doing a Mayweather McGregor embedded. So they're doing their very typical presentation. And of course, they are very, very McGregor heavy. Uh, McGregor May- heavy. May- Mayweather promotions is, is a very big promotions with boxing, most particularly for for uh, Mayweather. Uh, they're very slanted towards uh, Mayweather. And Showtime's actually doing the most balanced version of the two. And I don't think it's balanced. You think it's still heavy for McGregor? Um. Man, I, I think uh, it's pushing. I, I I think they're leaning more towards. The, so the obvious favorite is Mayweather because it's a boxing favorite match. Favorite to who? To, to the voting masses. Not to, to Kieran McGuire. Not to Kieran McGuire. <laughs> so Mayweather or McGregor opened up. To be fair, Kieran wants a potato to win. Potatoes. May- Mayweather opened up as eleven oh, to one potatoes. favorite. Potatoes. So the eleven raw, to one. Uh, God, I wish I would have got down on those odds. It's Holy crap! Three to one now. That's how much it's actually swung on so much. It's See, moved. I mean, it's and it's really hard for me to know, is that because the media has been so persuasive and so uh, biased so towards it McGregor? Immediately swung. Or, or is it just because McGregor really is that good and really does have this much of a chance, and as he's been, you know, more, uh, you know, been viewed more publicly, people so are starting to realize that. Do you know how the betting lines are adjusted? No, no idea. So it opens up as eleven to one, and that eleven to one is the analyst's best guess or best best thought. Like this is what we think the odds should be. Who, who are these analysts? That's uh, it's up to every every uh, sports book because every sports book has their own decision and the desire. I mean, to me, there's there's such a stark contrast between people with a boxing background and the way that they describe the fight, and people with an MMA background and the way that they describe the fight. And I yes. think that both sides have pretty valid points, which yes. to me is what makes it such an exciting 
being like, all, oh my god, I really don't know. All what's I can happen. say is I remember very distinctly back in the day when Mike Tyson was the shit. Yep. Right. Remember that back in the day, Mike, Mike Tyson? Tyson. Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson. Um, and I just remember I bite your ear off. That, come back. That there were statisticians that were saying, you know, this and that and the other thing, and then he would come out and it would be over in sixty seconds, and you're like. What? And everyone's like, I can't believe I spent so much money on a pay-per-view that only lasted seconds. And then there was the one that was like, everyone was like, yeah, he's yeah, this, he's going to kick this guy's ass. And then it like the guy won. Yeah, but like, the, the like, Holyfield fight, right? And you find yourself going like, what the hell's going on? Like, I, I think this match is going to be, I think it's going to be over very quickly. And I don't know which side it's going to be, but so, I feel like it's going to be over. If, so to finish the odds, and then maybe I want to address that me. statement. The odds are affected by betting. So when it opened at 11 to 1, Mayweather or McGregor fans immediately said, I will take that money. I will pay $100 to get $1,100. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. So 11 God, to 1 yeah. is not really 11 to 1. It's called negative 1,100. Right, yeah, I yeah, get that. Yeah, I get that, yeah, that, that makes sense. So now everybody threw down 100 bones to get their 11 to 1, and the more money that goes on that odds, the more they're like, we're not paying those odds anymore. Right, then it starts to sway the other way. It immediately so, moved to like 8 to 1. And so are you saying that that number has those odds have evened out so much just because so many people have bet on Conor McGregor? So many people bet on Conor McGregor is why the odds are balancing out. And then it got to six to one and then it was about three and a half or four to one. Uh, somewhere around that range, and you know this Pauli Malinaji story? I hate his last name because I cannot say it. Pauli Malinaji? Uh, I only watch way too much MMA. It's the only reason I can even think I'm saying it right, and I think I am. I, I honestly didn't know the guy's name before he came up with the Conor McGregor thing. Uh, and, and in the history of boxing, it actually has has a good stout history. So unless Yeah, like two world fan, titles, right? Yeah. I just didn't know any of that until he got beat up by Conor McGregor, and it was such a... Yeah. Such a thing in the media. So him and uh, his, when, when all that came out with McGregor and him and the video footage was released by UFC, which is all very edited footage. So that happened over a 12 round fight. Was that the last five minutes? Was that one minute in the third round, 30 seconds in the second? So where did the, this could be the best highlights of Connor? It could all be great on Polly. Yeah. And I look at the way I, I agree that that's Pauly, true. But to see the, like the first interviews with Polly and having him say, oh, it was a shove down. Like they took a picture at the at the right moment to make it look like I got knocked over. And then you see the footage and it's like, oh, yes. you did get knocked over. It wasn't a push. It wasn't a shove. You got knocked down. And so it's like, how much credibility do you put into that side of the story after that? Oh, look, A, yeah. Comparing the story versus the video is a huge tell. And also looking at the damage of Malinaji in the video, he it, it is a full 12 round hard spar. It's not a soft spar. It's not going through the motions. They were fighting. Because you can actually see the damage on Malinaji. He wears it and he wears it heavy. Um, so, so I just got to ask, brass tacks, who's going to win? It, it moves to three to one. That, that, I'm going to say a, Conor McGregor. That's my bet. Yeah, really? Yep. So I think, A, it's going to last longer than you give it credit for. I, I hope so. Uh, one of the reasons is is Mayweather is known as one of the best defensive boxers ever. Ooh, yeah, nice. So Tyson's fights were over quickly. Ronda Rousey's fights were over quickly because they attack right away. Yep. They fucking finish it where Mayweather is going to sit and wait. He's going to wait in that pocket. He's not going to reach and overextend. McGregor, if McGregor wins, McGregor wins the same way he won Aldo. If Jose Aldo and May and McGregor fought again, I don't know if McGregor would still win because Jose's a badass. But McGregor studied so much tape. Yeah, the, his team comes with a really good game plan. Yeah. And he does have a very solid strategy every time he He knows where that hole is, and he's trying to piss you off the entire time to make you break that hole. I don't know if you've seen this footage, Ben. I, I think you've seen it, Nick. 
is for the McGregor Jose Aldo fight. There is footage of McGregor pre-fight in the in the in the locker room, uh, just sparring, just shadow boxing, and then they actually play a clip of that right next to a clip of yep. the actual knockout and split second for split second. McGregor saw that opening. He he saw that gap. He didn't know what had happened in the first 13 seconds. He just knew he could bait Aldo into it. Yeah. And what McGregor's chance is right now is that he gets in Mayweather's head enough that he, he... McGregor knows Mayweather's crack. Mayweather... McGregor... McGregor knows where he can catch him. The question is, is does Mayweather open that crack up? And that comes down to... Does McGregor get in his head enough before this fight to let him open that door? And I do not think so. Hmm, I think he can. I believe he can. But I think Mayweather's going to win the fight. I wouldn't be shocked if it goes a distance because Mayweather is a defensive fighter. I really hope and pray that McGregor comes out with an MMA stance and approach to confuse Mayweather because here's my real hope in this fight. Um, I, my real hope is fucking McGregor whoops his ass, dude. I'm an MMA fan. I love boxing, but I'm an MMA, MMA fan. Uh, but I really think Mayweather's going to win. So my hope is with Mayweather winning, Connor has said he wants to do more boxing. He's not doing this one boxing match. He wants to also box. And Paul Malignaggi and Mayweather and McGregor have been at it, dude. They they like just yesterday there was a huge exchange with them. It was a presser for Mayweather, McGregor, and Malignaggi, and McGregor got at it. So that fight is bound to happen. So two things I want to say. One, there's a big part of me that wonders how much of the interactions, like the stuff that you see in the media, the stuff that's made so public, yeah. is just like a WWE or WWF fight. Where, it is staged. Where, yeah, they call in the morning. They have a regular conversation on the telephone like you and I would have if I called sure. you in the morning. Oh, yeah, so I'm today gonna I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. you're going to get in my face. Okay, cool, man. Have a good day. I'll see you on Twitter. Like, yeah, yeah, I, wonder, exactly. I wonder how much of that happens. So that's my first point. Second point, do you know how old Conor McGregor is? 29. Uh, 29. I was going to say, you, like, the age gap you, here is pretty... Do you know how old Mayweather is? 40? I, I don't know. Say he's my age, I don't know least. if you guys know any 40-year-olds, but that's fucking old yeah. as shit. I'm, I'm 40, 43. asshole. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yourself. I know Fuck you yourself. both are. You caught the joke. Nobody nope. likes you, Nick Lott. But I really do think... How do I mute your... Wait, where are you at? Guess... Uh, nope. Oh, see, nothing. I'm in the... I'm in the yeah. yeah, you fucked it up. See, you muted DJ. Yeah, see... So really, it's it's slot one, slot two. I normally, I hate my life. You suck, Ben. But no, I mean, I I think all the points about um, why Mayweather stands such a good chance, I think, is all super true because he does, you know, he has that record for a reason. Super great defensive boxer. But I think, you know, he, with two years off between thirty eight and forty years old, and I think he, you know, Connor is training for this fight because he's passionate about proving a point. Yes, sir. I, and it seems he's got a lot of oh, anger. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, he, I don't really think he's an angry person. I think he likes I, to talk shit. He's yeah. good at it. I agree with but you. But if you have a, if you see Nick any serious you. conversations with him where he's actually talking, I think he just really is passionate about fighting. But uh, look at his. No, he had a sit down with Ariel Hawani, who's one of the top MMA journalists in the world, next to uh, Ben Armendaris. Just saying, uh, and look at how rational he actually is. Yeah, he's super collected. I mean, he's reasonably bright. I mean, he's he's got, he, he's really well, I'm going out on the limb and saying I think he's going to win. I don't know if that's true. I, I'm but, just I'm going um, out there and saying I think Conor McGregor's going to win. I, I think both sides have their definitive strengths, and uh, I think that's what makes it so exciting and so hard to. It's a to very really weak know. middle ground you're going with, Nick. 
pick uh, one side or the other. Con- dude, I already said I want Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor. Okay, good. And so, did I tell you my plan for where I'm watching the fight? Yes, yeah, you did. I did. The, the Irish, the dude. So Irish if I club, stay in yeah. town, with you, Kieran I want to have you all over here, Ta-ta? but you'll be with Kieran. I mean, no, if you were here having the fights and there was a way to drive from uh, from the city to here, I, I would come. But here. you know how bad 288 floods. That dude, it floods like crazy. Yeah. So I've seen idiots die on that freeway. <laughs> early on, we thought the fight would happen with 12 ounce gloves. Then we knew it was going to happen with 10 ounce gloves, and now we know it's happening. It's been approved for eight ounce gloves. I I have some very uh, dude. I probably listened to fucking six eight hours of Mayweather McGregor uh, podcast this week alone, and they're all from the MMA perspective. They're not See, from the uh, boxing perspective. The the coolest thing about this fight to me right now, I, I people don't talk about fighting usually. Yeah. You know, like strangers don't talk about fighting. I wouldn't expect Ben. I you know I don't think you follow fighting very much. I wouldn't expect you to know very much if I wanted to tell you about the fights coming well, up. Well, to be fair, I mean, uh, like I said, growing up in the era of Tyson, there were a lot of, n- like, Monday morning water cooler conversations right, yeah, with that's people who don't normally watch boxing and that but, but knew those, about like, Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson, Evander Holyfield, like, those are iconic names, you know? I, I could tell those names to my mom. No, but these were conversations that were happening in the 80s when Mike Tyson was just becoming well-known mm-hmm. and was like the man. God but those man. were the last f- fighters who were famous to your average person, you know? Yes, sir. Like, Yeah, correct. Like Absolutely correct. Pacquiao, Mayweather. Yeah, I was going to say Pacquiao, maybe. Yeah, but I could ask my mom who's Manny Pacquiao, and she's probably not going to know. I think that's more of an age thing. I really do. Maybe. I mean, I could ask Sam. Well, that doesn't count because she's, she's Filipino. She's from the Philippines. And she's going to know. Pacquiao's a fucking hero in the PI, yeah. dude. But, uh, but I was in the elevator with someone, like... In, in my apartment building. And he's like, what do you think about this fight coming up this weekend? Knowing that I would know about it, you know. Yeah, and that's the same thing. I went Very to I went to the barbershop yesterday. The guy cutting my hair is like, dude, what do you think about this fight coming up? And it's like, everybody's talking yeah. about it. And you're like, and are you talking about the hurricane? Is that a fight? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to beat the shit out of Harvey, man. <laughs> Harvey's going to whoop our ass. So You know, Harvey's a scrappy, scrappy little guy, man. I'm not going to lie. Those eight-ounce gloves, I'm going to start with Ben because the answer is probably not much. I, I think you'll have a better answer to this. How? What, what does this fight being at eight-ounce gloves mean to you? First, does it, it doesn't mean anything to me. Do you know not, what, I, don't, I don't really watch fighting very Do you know much. what the UFC uses glove size No, I have no idea. Those are four ounces to give you an idea of oh, size. Oh, excellent. Yeah. So what does the eight-ounce gloves mean to you to this fight, Nick? Well, I think it gives Connor a distinct advantage. Why? Because I agree he, with you, by the way. It gives him a, a more rigid impact with his hands. Yes. And uh, Floyd has had a history of breaking his hands in fights. Yes. So with less protection on his hands, Floyd is more apt to break his hands and so Floyd's be less hands effective in the fight. are more delicate. He might break them early on enough that that's what makes it go the distance, and that would, that could increase Connor's chances because Floyd cannot effectively strike now. The gloves are smaller, so now Floyd, who is a defensive fighter historically, I mean, just not historically, that is his game, he has a smaller defense because these gloves are now not as large guards. So the way he cur- or the way he normally holds his hands has a bigger hole or a bigger gap. That changes it. McGregor can now slip his smaller glove through a bigger gap. Yeah. So that changes it. And then back to that braced impact, that 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 solid punch. He's gonna have less padding on his hand to hurt the guy. So between McGregor getting inside motherfucker's head, the eight ounce gloves and all those gaps it just made. Uh, I'm with Daniel Lovett. You know Dan. Oh, yeah. Uh, actually, I met Dan through you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, you did me a solid and let them crash here. Absolutely, man. And I absolutely enjoy getting to know to know both of them. Um, 
Daniel posted on Facebook, I can't wait. I'm, I'm so excited for the Mayweather-McGregor fight. The part I'm excited the most about is uh, the casual fans stop being analysts, and then we can talk about the real parts. And that's the thing I've noticed is, is I feel like a casual fan with the nerdery I have about the fight, but you know my fighting interest and where, where I lie, and I, I don't think I'm a casual fan at all. I, I, I'm a bigger fan of MMA than I am of skydiving. I think one thing I'll say about this whole ordeal is that it's, I think it's going to be a great fight. Regardless, it's gonna it, be it's historic. It has to. It's, it's yeah, just absolutely. great off the history. I, I can't imagine an outcome that wouldn't be exciting. Yeah, whether it goes all twelve rounds and it's a split decision, awesome. If it's a first round knockout, awesome. In in my perfect world, I would love to see it go the distance, split decision. And Connor says, "All right, well, it was close in your world. Let's see what it's like in my world." Yeah. And he comes in for an MMA fight, which will never, ever, 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 ever happen. I don't think Floyd Mayweather would ever sign up for that fight. Did he, you see he, the last boxer fight MMA? So are you saying that it's easier? No, I've heard about it, but I haven't seen the actual. Are you saying fight. it's easier for an MMA fighter to to revert back to boxing than absolutely. it is for a boxer? Oh yeah, because absolutely. MMA. Because if this is I, an I MMA, I want to make fight, that very clear. Yeah, yeah. If this is an MMA fight, he's gonna yep. go and he's gonna kick agreed. Floyd in the leg three times. Yep, agreed. And then he's gonna fall down and he's gonna take his back and he's gonna choke him out. James Tony was a very decorated boxer, and he came over to MMA probably six years ago, ballpark right now. And fought Randy Couture, and Randy was not at his prime at this point. Randy is is going out to pasture. It's one of Randy, uh, the natural Coutures, who, who MMA Hall of Fame or UFC Hall of Fame. They don't have an official MMA. Uh, j- just an absolute badass, and the fight was over so quick. Uh, boxer has no takedown defense. The boxer doesn't know how to uh, defend from a clinch because you get in a good clinch in, in boxing, and it gets broken up pretty. Quickly. Yeah, there's no. I mean, the rules the basically kicks, prohibit them from mapping to ever deal with that. Yeah. The kicks and do look at like Muhammad Ali or Cassius Clay or whoever the fuck you want to call him. His belt line was below his belly button. And in boxing, you can't strike above the belt line, not a waistline, not a byline. So now if you look, boxers look like they're wearing bust- bustiers. Yep. Is that yep. the right Oh, word? shit. Yes. That's, so you notice there's shorts under their nipples. And it's because you can't strike below the belt line. Oh, those fucking pussies. So everything yes. that opens up in MMA. <laughs> yes. MMA, yes. there are several very good striking MMA, MMA fighters. Uh, Joanna and Jacek, I would love to see Joanna fight. Uh, I would love to see her box because she is technically one of the strongest strikers in the UFC right now. Just, just phenomenal. I'd love to see her go over to boxing. Um, Holly Holm was been a, is able to make the transition from boxing to MMA because she is also an MMA practitioner. But but James but Tony got taken down right away, no takedown defense, ground and pounded, and then fucking just taken out. I mean, yeah. he it was it's a joke when we've seen MMA, uh, boxers come to MMA. Which but is I just so still, funny to I think of. I that happened. Just that, that Floyd was just too proud and would talk too much shit to get himself out of having to do that, you know? On one of the press conferences, he's like, I'll fight with fucking 10-ounce gloves. I'll fight with 8-ounce gloves. I'll fight with... with Four ounce gloves. Well, he was now just, he's doing it. He was talking all that <laughs> shit like he didn't he's care. Doing he's doing like, it now. He said, "I'll fight in a ring. I'll fight in a cage. I don't care." And it's, dude, I would love to see him just talk the shit talk his way into having to do it. It'd be great. But It'd I don't. Be I so don't, fast, man. I'm sorry. It, it It'd would be, be so super fast. fast, but it would be. I think it would be just a. I, there are old minds that view boxing like it's just the one and only way to to fight. You well, know? they call it's it the, the sweet purest. science, man. It's yeah. the sweet science. It's the purest form of combat sports, science. which I don't agree with. I don't agree with either because if I meet yeah. a dude on the street and we're going to have a fight, I'm don't not hit doing me below it. my belt line. I'm, I'm going to pull up my pants. Stuff. Yeah. I want to get grandpa pants on. You can't hit me below my pants, but, bitch. But that's what I like about MMA and how it's kind of been distilled down to mostly jujitsu and, and Muay Thai 
is it's like, yeah, these these are the parts that work the best. Like in a kind of an odd phrase, but a no holds barred competition. Like those those are the things that uh, the people with those fundamentals are the people who who generally do the best. Usually dominate, yeah. yeah Wrestlers when, when, as well. When UFC was brand new, before there were any rules, before there were any weight classes, and it was just like, okay, we're going to Go put this, this crazy guy against this crazy guy. It's it's still like when it was like Tank Abbott and... Yes. Uh, you know, the people who just... Dom Fry. I wish I could remember the dude who wore one glove and a bare knuckle. I can't remember his name right now. He wore a straight-up legit fucking like 12-ounce, maybe 10-ounce boxing mitt on one hand, his left hand. And his right hand was bare knuckle, so he had the mitt yeah, for the boxing. Defense and then the delivery? Yeah. Well, this was more the delivery because he had the extra weight behind it, and this was more the grappling was this th- was this theory. Oh, for grappling. Right. Okay. All right. and, I, and I can't remember the exact reasoning. Uh, part of it is, is you don't want to punch and break your hand. Uh, Joe Rogan wants to see bare knuckle MMA, and the reason he wants to see bare knuckle MMA is, is, is let me clinch, let me put you in a Muay Thai clinch, let me grab you by back of the head and beat you in the head five times with my fist. Yeah, you break your fucking hand. I'm yeah. gonna stop doing it. Yep. And the way we strike is gonna change. And and realistically, that's I agree like, with this. That's more like what would happen in the street. Head trauma is gonna change because we can't hit each other as hard as frequently as often. God, I don't know if anything's gonna eliminate head trauma from from MMA. No, it's not gonna eliminate, but no, it's, it's gonna reduce gonna change, it significantly. Yeah, it's gonna change the. Uh, God, I don't know. They're just gonna start kicking head kicking motherfuckers more often. But fights will end quicker instead of getting bludgeoned to. So it's that repetitive. That five, six, eight, ten strikes in a row—they're actually proving there's more trauma in that than one cold button shot. Yeah, ten strikes in a row, mild versus one strike and people are done—totally different. Huh, yeah, I guess that's—I hadn't thought of it that way. It's like fucking hard ones or making love to the woman for twenty minutes, and that's lasting a really long time, ladies. <laughs> I don't know either of those, so because it hasn't been eight months yet. Yeah, eight months. What the fuck? I—I have determined in my. My personal views have been Nelson. And actually, it's not eight months. It's eight to 12 months is his dry spells. That's his cycle. Yeah. Well, well. He's making grumpy face. They can see the... Ca- oh, wait. Never mind. Sorry. <laughs> I forget <laughs> that people listen to this. You fuck one goat. Uh, you fuck one goat. You're a goat fucker for the rest of your life. But Built a million bridges, r- but I r- fuck one goat. Regardless of the outcome, I'm super excited to see that fight. I think it's very good, it's for, gonna be a good fight. for boxing, mixed martial arts, and fighting as a sport overall. And uh, I'm putting money on McGregor tomorrow. So yeah, I think, I think I'm going with McGregor. I'm going to go with McGregor. The thing that I think... Uh, the thing that I hope and I believe happens the most is, is two things. Or a few, but number one, uh, we'll see some legitimately good boxers break into MMA because they were afraid to, and now they're going to actually take the challenge. I don't think Mayweather's one of them, but I think there's some boxers who are going to say, wait a minute, I can use my boxing foundation and really grow into the sport of MMA. So I think the sport of MMA is going to gain a couple good fighters that way over time. It might take years. Um, I would love to see a guy like Dominic Cruz say, you know what, fuck it. Let me throw down the gauntlet. Let me get in the boxing range because the way Dominic Cruz moves as a striker is extremely unique, and it would be interesting to see him take that style into a boxing ring. So who's who's your next super fight? Let's say that this does become a thing, and this fight is so successful, and people, you know, the fans demand more of these sorts of fights. Who on who? Who's who's your fantasy? I mean, right now, Malinaji fucking uh, McGregor just okay. because of the heat going on. I mean, yeah. that is right now absolutely my next fight. Uh, so McGregor's you're, you're next more fight has to be MMA, though. Has to be. You're more into the drama, huh? Uh, you no. watch a lot of wrestling growing up? Drama. No. So, yes. <laughs> um, uh, but no. So, when you have, even in MMA, when you have that heat, so the, the Diaz-McGregor fight, that heat, 
there's usually going to be heat in the fight. That means usually they're going to throw passion. They're going to throw fists with passion. They're going to throw <laughs> strikes with with a, with a with unbridled hatred. And I, I've watched two guys fight who are buddies, who are in the same camp, who train at the same team, and they shake hands and they hug, and it's one of the most boring fights. More often than not, sometimes you actually get a very intense fight because they know each other well. Let's discuss the possibility of this being a boring fight to watch. Oh, man. What, what, if, what if they, I mean, because Floyd is notorious as a, very good, as a defensive boxer. That's a very good what if, point. What if Connor's coming with that? Maybe that's their game plan. Is he's going to be a defensive boxer, you think? No. Because I, 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 d- I definitely don't think that speaks to his strengths as a fighter. I don't think Connor can go for very long without attacking. I concur, Connor. Oh, I think he's got the discipline and self-control. And if that was the game plan, I think he'd I stick think he to it. I think he could do it for a while, but I think after a while he's going to have to attack. Man, in the Nate Diaz fight, dude, that last one, there were a lot of times where it was boring. W- without a plan, he definitely would have chased him to the ground, and the fight probably would have ended differently had that happened. So I think it's a balance of what you both say. I do think McGregor has the discipline, the patience, the smarts to make it potentially a boring fight. But at the same time, McGregor's plan is to antagonize, 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 just like the Diaz brothers' plan is to antagonize, antagonize. So in his smart game plan, he's going to be in and out. He's going to be bouncing here and there. He's going to drop into a karate stance. He's going to do things. You think he's going to be in and out? I think he's going to be like Carl's Jr., Carl's Jr. In and out. It's oh. a fucking food. It's a fast food joke. God damn. I would have got the best flop. fast food yeah. joke if ever. I went for, if you went Carl's Jr. Hardee's, the joke would have made more sense. But uh, my last point, I had it. Oh, this is something that was talked about a lot early on, I think, on the Rogan podcast, that one distinct advantage that uh, Connor has uh, is, a, is a mental advantage over Floyd. Like, uh, may, Floyd knows that in most of most of the fights he's been in, in a... In and in anything goes sort of fight, he would still beat that person in a fight because uh-huh. they're both fighting the same sort of yes. fight. But I think, you know, he knows that in an anything goes sort of fight. Anything other than what they're doing, he would win. Yeah, like yes, sir. he knows that Conor McGregor, like he's got to have it in his head. Yeah, Conor McGregor can beat me up. Conor McGregor most certainly know, has that, that in his that's head. That's just weird to me to think of that because I... It, that's it makes a lot of sense. But like, I, I mean, if there weren't restrictions put on my Conor McGregor right now, you would get your ass kicked. Yeah, and I don't know how much you have watched interviews with fighters, but they're all like really cocky, arrogant, and you know maybe that it is that way. Maybe that's the sort of personality that's attracted to competitive fighting. But I also think that that's a pretty big tool for most of them to to have that really strong sense of self belief that I think that he really probably has stolen that from Floyd, that Floyd has to know, like, yeah, this is a dude who can beat me up. So I think that that's got to weigh on him a little bit in his, in his ability to be confident and to, and to believe in his skills as a fighter. It's, uh, it all makes sense, everything you say. I, I, I agree with you. And I just want Conor McGregor to win so badly because I think that's the upset. And as an MMA fan more than a boxing fan, that's just the result I want to see. Yeah, I, I'm in the exact same boat, and I'm actually uh, not the biggest fan of Mayweather. Uh, I don't necessarily know if McGregor's a better person, but I'm, I'm just not a huge fan of, I love these quickest knockouts. <laughs> um, dude, so we are going to wrap this show up. We, we mentioned quickest knockouts, and we're going to wrap this show up with one of my favorite quickest or, or, or scary skydiving stories. Uh, it, this this video been doing is the quickest knockouts. I was actually on an airplane. I'm doing cockiest knockouts now because yeah. these are the best. <laughs> Steve Boyd Sr. Uh, flew all the STP instructors from Houston 
to Austin and then had a shuttle to the tunnel and bought us all tunnel time and actually let us all train as STP instructors in the tunnel doing drills. This I, was back when Austin was the tunnel in Texas. Yes. And so, I mean, it's badass. Our drop zone owner fucking flies us in an otter to this fucking tunnel and pays for everybody to get tunnel time to do drills and actually at the end lets everybody play in big groups for a couple minutes. It, it was super dope. And watching these fastest knockouts on the way to uh, uh, to Austin and on the way back, I watched on my iPad the top 25 finishes of UFC history. And, and if you don't have that video, I'll, I'll, I'll share it with you, Nick. It's a fucking great video. I've been watching a lot of those lately. Yeah. And I'm sitting on the floor of the Otter with my face eight inches, maybe a foot max from the door of the Otter, watching my iPad watching the quickest knockouts with earbuds on and using my backpack as a pillow when the door of the otter gets sucked the fuck out of the airplane. I am laying inches from the door with no seatbelt and no rig on, and we're cruising at 3,000 feet over the ground. You have never seen an Asian man move so fast. Everybody laughed and made fun of me, and I, I agree. I was by the door, and in a flash, I was in the middle of the plane, sitting on the bench with my bag and everything in my hands, sitting there. And they're like, holy fuck. Scared the... B- Dude, imagine that happening. Sitting by the door of an airplane that gets sucked do, out. Do you no know the physics on. of why the door actually came out? No. Do you, no. I mean, I, I just know that it has to do with uh, the pressure and that uh, the... God, I want to say it has to do with uh, going high with the door... Uh, closed for a prolonged period and descending that the pressure starts to build that it wants to push the door outward. So we were cruising. We were cruising out. Sp- you guys out didn't get time. higher than 3,000? No, and we cruised it out through the whole time. None of us actually brought gear. Um, so one of my... I, s- I feel like Eric Boyd explained the the, 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 the why to yeah. me, but uh, I didn't hang on to enough of it. So one of my suspicions and my wonders, and I don't know if this is necessarily true or not, because again, we have made no massive change in altitude. We, we, we were flying level for a long time when this happened. So there's not a major change in anything. So what I wonder is yeah. how lift works. How lift works is the way a wing's curved. The top of the wing is curved, so the air must flow over it much quicker than the bottom of the wing. The air flowing over the top of the wing, this is Bernoulli's effect or circulation theorem, thins out the air on top because the air molecule on the bottom is going to the air molecule on the bottom is going to stay constant. The wing's going to fly over it at a given speed. The air molecule on top has to go over a longer contour of the wing. To get back to the air molecule on bottom at the same time, it must go faster to meet the air molecule sitting still. Uh, when we leave, I want to show you a neat trick at my sink, man. It's, it's one I teach in canopy courses, and you'll, I'll show you something that will blow your mind about aerodynamics. It's not, not really blow your mind, but you'll think it's super neat. So now what I'm thinking about is we're going down the we're going uh, down the uh, we're we're flying through the sky. How fast is the air blowing by the side of the airplane? Is it creating that area of lower pressure on the skin of the aircraft and where that door is? And it's constantly sucking. And you and I both know in Winer's Corner, you know what Winer's Corner is. Uh, the air is blowing into the corner of the door and pushing the air in and slightly pressurizing the cabin. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if it's a combination of that suction or low pressure outside the airplane because of the fast air moving by and what's the and laminar flow and creating that area of lower pressure plus the culmination or combination of the interior pressure building because of the air coming in that corner and pushing on that door. I, I think it's, it got sucked out more than it got blown out, if that makes sense. And I want to say the pilot's window was down. 
I have no earthly clue because I had earbuds in. And from the time the door uh, blew out to the me getting in the seat was about a millisecond. <laughs> I mean, dude, fucking fastest Asian ever. Usain Bolt, my I, dude, I, I could have smoked anybody in a race. I was within a foot of a door getting sucked off an airplane, flying at 3,000 feet over the ground with no seatbelt and no rig. I shit my pants. Yeah, so would, anyone, so would I. I certainly would have. Yeah. So... Uh, I, oh God! I definitely, we definitely. If you're if, sorry, uh, Ben is playing. Uh, I some, shared, I shared some this UFC video. knockouts right it. now, so it, it sounds like you shared it in Top the top twenty-five uh, UFC finish. I just finishes. glanced over at the monitor and saw someone take a shin right to the fucking mouth. If you're gonna share this, share one other thing for MMA. Yep. Uh, look oh, up check Congo geez. and just search last name Congo uh, versus Barry. Congo Barry. Is one of the best comeback. Hey, you, I think I've shown you this video. I think you know this video, uh, uh, Mr. P. This one, Crazy Knockout. Uh, is uh, yes, that it's got to be Crazy Knockout. Watch this. It is not. It's not a crazy knockout. It's oh. one of the top comebacks ever. Yeah, it looked like he was finished right here. Ever. And so, uh, wow, Barry what? is the white boy. Czech Congo is the I've black seen fella. It. I've seen it. Oh wow. So who I thought you, he was done. Who do you think wins this fight? I'm fucking. Oh wow. Based off this conversation, you know the opposite person you think wins. Holy crap. So How? How did he... How? See, I, I think this fight... How? Holy shit! How? How did this Boom. happen? And this fight is justification for every referee who's ever been accused of late stoppage. And there was actually more going on. The video you're sharing, the link you're sharing, doesn't show another 30 seconds prior of Chet getting just checked, dude. Chet Congo just got his ass whooped. He should have checked himself before he wrecked himself. Wiggity, wiggity, riggity, wiggity, wreck yourself. What? I hate both of you. Uh, it's Friday, Friday. <laughs> Gotta get down on Friday. So, guys and gals, if you've actually managed listening to this entire episode, two things that you need to remember, and it's only one, you need to actually share Friday, Friday on Ben Nelson Facebook page. No, actually, I'm sharing it right now on your page, mofo. Um, so, we actually are getting Gravity Lab radio uh, stickers made. If you've ever seen our logo, we open the video with it. You see it on our uh, Facebook page. Uh, we are actually getting Gravity Lab stickers made. You can see me holding them up. They are perfect size for helmet stickers. Um, I will have some hopefully in the near future. Hit me up. Let me know if you want any. Uh, we will be doing the Three Stooges again, and that's just what I'll always refer to this as. We'll be doing the Three Stooges again uh, on a regular basis. Um, I want to try to get Ben Armendariz on next week. I think yeah, it's the perfect time to have him. Uh, ben is, owns a uh, does does a YouTube thing called Canvas Conversation. Check it out. He has some really cool interviews and, and comments about it's about painting uh, with MMA. Bob Ross, dude. When I first got <laughs> the invite to mistakes? Canvas Conversation from him. I thought it was about paintings. And I'm like, why is Ben sending me something on paintings? And I had no clue Ben was an MMA fan. Yeah, I didn't know either. And then he spot his ears. He's got some some little cauliflower going. Oh, oh yeah, dude. You, you know anyone with that? You know you know homeboy knows how to brawl. Yeah, you, him, him and Daniel Lovett have two of the more fucked up ears of people I know personally. <laughs> yeah. um, so, so I would not get in a fight with either of those men. I'm going to try to hit him up. I'm going to see if he'll join us. It's got to be Tuesday or Thursday, Wednesday night. Thursday night we have a draft party for uh, fantasy football going on here with a few of my buddies. And the nerd game returns. The nerd game continues on. Um, dude, you should get into fantasy football. You don't have to like it as much as no. the, the shit talking and the fun having. No. Mm-mm. We've had a lot of friends get into it who don't like football. So. <sighs> So for a few of us, it's just a good you way to You guys are trying to turn me into a fantasy football playing scuba diver. Yes, we are, sir. Yes. So, Ben, do you have the outro song queued up? I do. 
All you got to do is hit play there, my friend, and then uh, channel five over there on your mixing board. Just gently, just gently work that up. So go ahead and start nubbing that up a little bit, man. Welcome. There it is. Oh my God! Bring it down just a hair. Just the hair. Free down a little bit more. We are gonna go out to Friday. Friday. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm dude. I'm gonna listen to the song all day tomorrow and enjoy that fucking hurricane. I fucking hate you, Ben. Guys and gals, we will be back next week. We don't know who our guest is yet. Look, but <laughs> I, hold on. Can you turn the camera on your stupid face for just a second? Just your your goddamn ridiculous face of accomplishment right now is priceless. <laughs> Guys and gals, on the screen is Mini P, Mr. Ben Nelson. Our guest this week, uh, Mr. P, Nicholas Law. Sir. I am DJ Marvin. This is Gravity Lab Radio. Blue skies. We are out of here. Peace. Thursday, Thursday, today.